Welcome back, everyone. We are live with another episode of Growing With My Fellow Growers. I'm your host, Jack Greenstock, on Cannabuzz and Instagram. You can also find me at Jack underscore Greenstock on Twitter. I'm joined, as always, by an amazing panel this evening, and I want to pass it over first to Spartan Grown. How you doing, Spartan? Hold on. Sorry. Caught me trying to pick up all the chat screens and everything. What's up, everybody? I'm Spartan Grown. I got a new mic. Let me know if it sounds like crap. Hopefully, it sounds better. You can find me on Instagram at Spartan Grown, all one word, or you can shoot me an email at uh, SpartanGrown at gmail.com. Happy to be here, guys. Happy to have you as always. Glad you got a new mic. The audio is sounding fantastic over there. So cheers to that. Uh, Cheers to having a joint lit up. I'm toking on some cereal milk this evening myself. It is very delicious. If anybody can get the cut or the flour, highly recommend it. Uh, Big fan of it, especially through cannabiotics out here in California. Um, Next up, Matthew Gates. How you doing? I'm doing really well. This is Matthew Gates. I'm an integrated pest management specialist. Um, everyone here at the Cheap Home Growers, the first to find out, or maybe sans the uh, Instagram followers, that I'm going to be trying to update my Patreon. And I'm also looking to start up uh, my Discord server that was originally for Patreon. So if you're interested in IPM, you can check out my videos on YouTube channel Xenthanol, the same one I'm commenting in the chat. And you can also um subscribe to my patreon as well as see me on various other places i also recently became staff writer for skunk magazine so um, for those who haven't heard it already so i'm very excited i've been very industrious and i'm here to answer your questions about pest abatement very cool stuff i was just about to give you the shout out for the skunk magazine staff writer it's a uh, really awesome stuff that you're going to be able to do some ipm work over there with them as well uh, another industrious individual who's been very active in the industry lately is rust brandon how you doing over there brandon the soil magician i'm chewing on some saltwater taffy right now sorry about that it's all good um, i'm doing great do my thing if you guys aren't our, don't already know um me or what I'm up to, you can check out IG, rust.brandon. Let me see. Got to change the little thing right here. Bam, Rust Brandon. Rust.brandon on IG, just like the little name thing right there. We'll do it live. Yeah, you can <laughs> yeah, find like, links to uh, my company, uh, Bokashi Earthworks, Bam, like the hat and my shirt. And uh, you can find a link to my farm as well, Black Label Organics. Hell yeah, man. Well, welcome back and uh, getting all the plugs out of the way at the start. So next up, we got Kyle Breeder. How you doing? Hey, what's up, everybody? My name is Kyle Breeder. Glad everybody's here. Uh, Primarily what I do is I specialize in feminized breeding. Um, And I do have cannabis seeds or feminized seeds. If anybody's looking for those kind of things, I have a website, which is uh, the letter P followed by breeding. Um, And I'm actually getting into autoflowers within the next couple of months. So that should be pretty exciting. If anybody's looking for what I'm doing, you can uh, look at me up on any social media platform, Twitter, Facebook, um, Instagram, and uh, I was on Social Club, but I don't really go on there too much. But yeah, again, everyone, I'm glad everybody's here. And, uh, you know, if anybody in the community has any questions for me, I'm, I'm highly active on there. Feel free to reach out and uh, I'll respond. Welcome back, Kyle. And you can definitely check this stuff out at pbreeding.com. Next up, we have the American one. Hello, Jack and panel and everyone in chat. I'm the American one. Uh, it's always good to be here and I hope everyone's had a great weekend and, uh, yeah, that's about it. 
Well, welcome back. I want to remind everybody who's in the chat, if they haven't already, to click on over to that live chat up there or down there, wherever it might be uh, in relation to me, what, depending on which device you're watching this on. But uh, yeah, join that live chat so you can see all the messages within the chat and uh, you don't get any filtered out randomly to, based on whatever YouTube decides to block out. So welcome back, everybody. I just wanted to say thank you all for joining us again. We've already got 37 with us right here at the start, first five minutes, and it always uh, goes up from there. So always cool to see the audience back again with us this evening. And we are going a little bit off the cuff this evening. I don't have any topics planned for tonight. So this is usually when I pass it over to the American one and he uh, has a good question, but I see Matthew Gates unmuted himself as well. So I'll pass it first to uh, Matthew Gates. Unmuted myself. That must've been a software thing. I oh, you know what? My phone was actually just covering up the, the spot where, so I, I couldn't uh, see your logo. I thought it flashed, but I could always uh, pass back to the American one. Cause I know he's always good for a way to start us off. And then I'll I agree with that. Click on over to the chat. Uh, wow, I don't have nothing in particular, but I I was thinking about um, funguses and uh, and bugs and stuff. I forgot what my question was. I I put it in the uh, the, the chat that we all go to. Um, but yeah, there's some fungus that kills the bugs, and then they feed it to the plants, so that it attracts more uh, bugs so that the fungus can eat. And uh, I found that interesting, but now I forget. I think we were talking about that a couple of weeks ago. I think I might have mentioned that, like some. Oh, uh, that's some in my absence, maybe last week. Yeah. Oh, uh, Damn. Was it last week? Anyways, that's possible. <laughs> that is possible. We missed you last week, the American one, definitely. Um, but we're happy to have you back. That's for sure. Thanks. Um, yeah, you know what? Does talk about. Uh, well, Let's we were talking about... a little bit before the show about harvest time, and um, you are growing some yeah. velvet, velvet punch, and you just harvested one. I'm about to harvest uh, two here myself that I'm growing for seed, and Spartan just grew a couple as well. So I'm curious, uh, you said that you didn't uh, write down the date, and so you're kind of going based on look and uh, what you're looking for. I'm just uh, curious, so you could share that with the audience, the American one. Yeah, so let me tell you this experience. So yeah. Uh, first off, you know, you should, I, I guess it, it depends on everybody wants to do their own thing. You know, some people like it where you don't, you know, when they want that uppity high, they'll cut it short. They want that blonde, blonde hash or that white hash, they'll cut it before it goes even like super cloudy, but whatever. But I just went by the plant and um, <clears throat> like sometimes I would think just because all the, all the hairs turn red that like it's spent. But like that velvet punch, there was all the hairs turned red, but that plant was still pretty much growing and um, it was all green. And I just let them go until I saw them fade on their own. And in, I believe in my organic soil is definitely not spent. The plants just fade on their own when they're, when they're spent, when they're done, you know. So that's what I've been going on. And I've been I don't care how long it takes. That's the way I'm going to start doing every plant in my garden. I'm going to wait till it's like, when it's done, it'll, it'll let me know. Because the one that I waited till, but then like GML says this with his flushing method, he causes it by flushing it. But when it starts getting into the bud where it gets to the yellow, it's called you want to take essence. it before then. Yeah, before then. So the one plant was getting close. So I think let go as long as you can. The plant should let you know. That's what I believe. How do you go about it, Russ? Because I know you get a lot of different strains going all the time and... Um, 
you, you know, the, the sexual like the sexual maturity of the plan as far as it no longer being able to accept pollen and having all of the state uh, stigma change pistols. color. Right. So stigma. pistols is actually just like the singular thing that gets pollinated. The stigmas are actually the thing that attract the pollen and bring the pollen into the singular pistol per bract. And uh, right. they're commonly misspoken about like often people just call them all pistols when in majority uh it's mostly stigma you can hardly even see the pistol with your naked eye like the first one when it shows sex that's a um pistol because it's actually like the thing that will be pollinated you could pollinate that even in veg but later on you're seeing a lot more stigmas it's kind of a technicality so um you know my death breath it'll it'll change but it'll still fatten up and stuff too after that um Natural senescence usually occurs. Senescence can happen. Cell death can happen from lack of nutrients. But if your plant has everything it needs through the cycle, what you'll see is that natural senescence will occur. And that, that what people call a fade is actually the other, um, the other uh, pigments that the plant creates. Um, and then when the chlorophyll, which is the dominant pigment, uh, starts going away because the stop, the plant stops uh, photosynthesizing, you get things like the carotenoids um, and you get uh, some of the, the other colors that come through. Anthocyanin. They, from the antho yeah, that's exactly what I was about to say, the anthocyanin. So the anthocyanin is going to be responsible for like your, your blue and purple and pink type pigments. And then the carotenoids are usually your yellows and your reds and your oranges. Yeah. This is the same reason why, um, you know, why trees change color in the autumn or at least some of them do. And um, I always like to mention it because it always jogs my memory some people who study aphids specifically and some other insects as well think that um, it's actually one of the major driving factors for aphids to move hosts and possibly other insects too. And that um, although it wasn't like an intellectual thing, it wasn't like planned because of plants developing this sort of changing coloration seasonally, uh, things that are adapted to looking for, of course, green, uh, will not see green, and so will not necessarily be as attracted to them sort of visually. Uh, of course, there's more than just visual topics and factors, but it's just an interesting thing to consider. On the other token, though, there are some things that are, of course, going to be more attracted to yellow because it can also be a sign of um, illness, disease, some sort of a problem in the structure that might be able to be exploited, that kind of a thing. Also, sentencing, right? So... So yeah, so even though all the uh, stigma pistols, whatever you want to call them, had turned color and it looks like the plant, like you're saying, Brandon, couldn't get pollinated. Um, and it looked like it was done to me. Like I, I would call it, it could have been done, but I, I, you know, I put it on the microscope and it was pretty much all clear except for a couple cloudy. So I'm like, man, I'm just going to leave that thing. And sure enough, because like that's when it was like mostly green and had a couple like blue uh, purple streaks, you know, near the bud in the tighter leaves. But as I left it in there, it just went totally went purple and the lower ones are getting that like purple and reddish hue with the yellowing. And I could tell it's like that definitely on the, on its finishings, you know, finishing last leg.
Purple purple punch is kind of one of those varieties that are notorious for not really like for looking great, but not really having like packing a punch. And it's typically because I believe it's usually uh, harvested a little too early. I agree hundred percent. I call it purple punch list when people take it from week six, seven, or eight. Yeah, I think it's a nine or 10 week plant. I personally like it at 10 weeks. Um, the amber trichomes is something that people don't like because in the hash, they want like Tao was alluding to earlier, mm-hmm. either a more uppity high or a blonder hash, uh, yeah. whether they don't have a freeze dryer or if it's just r- even running it with a freeze dryer, the lighter color is attractive to a lot of people right now. Yeah. I come from the time of smoking Afghani hash that was dark and amazing, but a lot of people are paying higher dollar for the lighter stuff. So we're also looking at the purity of what is in it um, by the way that it burns on your like quartz nail though as well. So if you have a good extractor, he'll pull out certain bags just to make sure that the quality of the product is going to be where, where it should be. Yeah. The melt is a big factor for a lot of people, no doubt. I personally bull top or roll it in with a joint with my hash i'm not a huge dabber i do have a puffco but um even like a e-nail or a rig um i just for whatever reason tend to enjoy a little bit more of the uh, hash being smoked with flour um, but i get why some people might want to do the dabs it uh it's quick you get that kind of effect a lot faster than you do with flour or mixing the two We were on the topic of uh, harvest time and we were talking a little bit about color and um, I noticed the American one, even a single day um, with the velvet punch even specifically, and it's a purple punch cross, I should throw that out there, but there's also a Mexican sativa and the cookie seven parent. So it's, especially being an F2, you're going to get a wide variety of finishing times on that one. So I'm actually glad you kind of let it go a little longer because I just said the same thing. I'm growing it right now uh, to make the F3 seeds and the amount of fade from like day to day to day from week eight on the both plants are a little bit different, but you could see it uh, gradually every single day getting more purple. uh, And it's a beautiful thing. I think the senescence, I agree with you guys. I think it's not just like running out of food um, because I'm growing in organics and I can replant stuff into that soil and grow it even without amending it. So I think it is the plant deciding I'm old enough. I'm mature enough. It's time for my end. You know, it's a, it's just a yearly plant. It's not, it's not expecting its lifetime to be forever. So at some point, even if it's got plenty of nutrition, I think it's going to start to fade. Yeah. I'm sure there is some strains that would just keep going forever too. Cause some of the hazes, I think but... I've had those a couple of times. I have some of those. <clears throat> yeah. They just keep, keep going and going and going. Kyle like, some of that yeah, people, don't, people don't understand that at the equator, it's it. It's twelve and twelve the entire year. It's twelve and twelve. So, like, Breeder if you Steve give a plant, it. yeah, if you give a plant veg that's used to twelve and twelve, I mean, seeds that you get from the, the like veg, they just go crazy. Hawaii is almost uh, twelve and twelve all year round. It'll be like eleven, thirteen, twelve, twelve, but they have to do supplemental light to keep mother plants and veg mm-hmm. plants. So, there's a lot of places that tend to grow really good product. Um, I guess Breeder Steve was saying he noticed compared to Canada um, that every single variety across the board was two weeks faster finishing at the equator because he thinks the intensity of the sun makes it grow faster in veg and finish faster in flower. So that was something that he observed at least uh, growing equatorially in Colombia, I believe. Definitely going to send some seeds to him, Tao. 
I mean, you got to go down there for the uh, million seed search. Find your own variety in there. You're like, I know this is mine. Well, and uh, we got Noah the Grower popping in the group. And Brandon, you should also send some seeds to Breeder Steve if you uh, can figure that out, if you haven't already. Because I know he I, said he's going to welcome anybody who sends I got seeds. His, I, I got his phone number. I can just text him. <laughs> Hit him up. He's uh, been on fucking talking shit with Eagle a couple times. He's a really cool dude. And i uh, seen him all around Future Cannabis Project. He's been in the community for a long ass time. I uh, usually interact with him most on Twitter, actually. That's a good reason to be on Twitter because he's pretty candid with the people over there. Um, almost bought the little testing device off of him for the greenhouse, but we had delays and delays, so it wouldn't make sense to just have it. Man, sitting I'm so, I, I feel bad for you, Jack. The whole licensing and everything that's the, the delays that go along with California, man. It's, it's, it's like bullshit, but tragic. I can still grow my own that's at true. home. And that's uh, really, uh, at the end of the day, as long as I can grow my plants for myself and my wife, I'm pretty happy and uh, enjoying living in this beautiful weather. But the cost of living out here is very high that is the one downside but typically jobs pay a little bit more i think the minimum wage is higher here than most places as well but to get back on the growing side of things uh kyle you're talking about autoflowers earlier and i was curious we're talking about finishing times to kind of blend those two topics together um how has your auto growing experience been so far i remember a while back you had a really good pineapple express vino that i think you asked one and you've done some other work with autos so i know you've been working with them for a while so i'm excited to hear you're gonna have some coming out soon just wanted to pass the mic on over to you because I know you've been quiet so far. Oh, and shit, I got to let Noah, the actually, before you go, Kyle, I got to let Noah the Groa introduce himself. Noah, welcome in. How's it going? Yeah. Hey, how's it going, everybody? Um, yeah, I'm doing okay. I got a <clears throat> rear-ended by a hit-and-run guy the other day. Hit pretty dang hard, but uh, I'm just look, glad to be alive and uh, glad to be here with, your, with all of you guys. How's everybody going? Damn, man. Uh, Doing well. Uh, sorry to hear about that. I got rear-ended a few years ago, and my neck and back are still a little bit messed up from it, so I'm really sorry to hear that. Glad that you could make it and that you're safe, and uh, just uh, really bummed to hear that, for sure. Sorry about that, Noah. But um, Kyle, <laughs> to get back on the uh, topic there, I kind of asked you a question about autos and uh, their fade and flowering time, because um, those even at like 18 hours, 20 hours, they'll fade at some point, even in like a big pot with lots of nutrition. So I'm curious how you go about figuring out harvest time on your autoflower. Yeah. I mean, I'm definitely not, uh, you know, extremely deep into the autoflower game, but, um, you know, I was playing with them for a while. Um, and, uh, just to throw that out there. I know I'm glad you're all right, man. And, uh, you know, a lot of different scenarios could happen from there, but I'm glad you're here. But, uh, yeah. So, I, I mean, I get to start all off. So I was playing with it before, but, uh, just, uh, just what the time wasn't right. So I kind of got in with the photo period, but I have a, um, a company that kind of wants me to basically supply feminized seeds uh, for them. So it just, and it would, and I kind of knew there was a huge market for it. I just didn't really have time for it, but um, so I'm just going to kind of uh, take on, uh, you know, take the bull with the horns on, on both these projects, what I'm doing now and then the autoflower game. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's just, it's definitely a whole different game. You know, it's all about um, basically how I'm going to do it is um, cause, because they are autoflowers, it's not like you can do a spray schedule and just kind of figure out, you know, when you can do your flip and then time, you know, your donors, the, the don't, uh, sorry, the donors that are sprayed versus the ones that are going to be receiving it. Um, so the autoflowers, I'm just going to be basically be spraying, you know, the bottom halves of all these autoflowers to, so that I know that they're reverting all of them. I have to do that to every single one. And then whenever one turns male, um, cause I'm getting a bunch of regs and stuff too, where I'm starting off with, um, with some of the material that I have. Um, but basically, you just spray the bottom of everything, 
And then, so that way, not only are you able to regulate the top half of the plant to see what she looks like, but you're also already prepared on the bottom half with pollen to do the cross to, and that way you're always knowing what you're doing. So it's just a, a different process. And to me, I find that extremely efficient. You know what I mean? So depending on which woman I like, let's say I drop five or 50 autoflower fem seeds. If I just spray all 50 bottoms or a couple of branches on each plant, whichever two I find the best, I'll just take those two bottoms and cross, you know, cross the two together. Uh, so that was, I'm just always on top of things moving forward with that. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm just going to try and make four lines. Uh, it's going to be a little difficult. Um, you know, I'll send out some testers first to see everybody likes them, but uh, uh, I just think that that's the best way to go about doing it. But yeah, I mean, I'm, this is all kind of new to me. Um, you know, my goal right now, I'm probably going to be playing with some, uh, shout out to Mandalorian, so maybe some Anvil and some uh, Bobby's Widow, or uh, what is that, Bobby's Widow by the uh, uh, Dynafem's White Widow. I don't know what the actual name of that thing is. I was just looking at it online. He's got a um, bunch of different crosses. Anvil, Alf, Bobby's Widow. Coal Miner's Daughter, I think, is what he called that one. Yeah. yeah shout out to Mandalorian. He's a good dude. Yeah, he's yeah, some... I was, just looking at my, oh, sorry. I was just looking at my, my FISO site and man, just kind of just play. I'm just kind of uh, looking around, you know, just, you know, just where everybody's at or people that I respect that I'd want to start uh, material wise. And uh, I mean, I have my own stock too, but I'm, I'm trying to influence other people's stuff too. Like, like we all do in general, but um, uh, they're just sold out everywhere, man. Like, like radically sold out. So they're obviously doing really well. I've got some that somebody gifted to me that I could send to you because um, I don't have plants to grow anytime soon, but. I don't know exactly what varieties you would want first, but I had a question because I remember a while back you had um, a pineapple express that you really liked that you asked one, but then it became a photo period and you said you kept a cut. I'm curious if you still had that, if you plan to work with that at all. And then after that, I kind of want to hear uh, Spartan's thoughts on autos because I know he just made a cross with the tire fire auto and he's been growing autos in his veg tent slash mother area for quite a while. So uh, first, Kyle, I'd just like to get your thoughts there. Yeah, uh, well, sadly, um, as you guys all know, or if anybody's actually been following us, or the same people that's been following us for the last two years, uh, when I switched spots, uh, I basically had departed from the person that I was with, and uh, anything, a lot of the material that I had there uh, went with it. <laughs> so uh, basically, the seed collection that I had of her and the plant itself uh, are long gone, and I tried to get them back, but things weren't uh, on good terms, so I didn't get anything back. <laughs> so um yeah that's um but I, honestly anybody who's out there though pineapple i'm still i was actually just looking online now is uh, i think it was barney's that created even though every single i was looking at that today actually like right before we came on here uh fast fast Blitz has it and everybody has it but i was trying to i couldn't really recall who actually created it. i think it was barney's although if when you look on google it says g13 labs uh were the originators of it but um i would still completely run that strain and then cross it into some of uh, mandalorian stuff it's just a wicked good strain in general but, uh, but yeah, I don't to answer specific, uh, questions specifically, Jack. I don't, it's long gone. So Spartan, what are your thoughts over there on autos and their uh, harvest windows and some of the autos you've grown, uh, flavors, potency and all that? You're muted. Sorry, I was muted on Zoom. I didn't realize it. Um, too many mute buttons now. Um, yeah, so as far as autos go, I treat my harvesting of autoflowers exactly like I would harvest a photo period plant. There's no difference there, in my opinion. Everything's the same. Um, I'm looking at all the same indications. As far as my window, like with any auto, I always just in my head loosely plan for 90 days. They'll say they'll they'll give you short and long and all. 
I always just plan right around 90 days and that tends to be average for me on the ones that I've ran. Um, the flavors that I've getting right now, um, I haven't ran a lot of autos. I've ran the autos all from the same company. So they have similar parentage and similar terpene profiles. And I'm not, I'm pretty sure that's not the case across the board with autos. So I actually picked up some autos from, and that's from Morningstar seed company. And those, I get a lot of, uh, like, cause there's a lot of purples. I get that, what I call the purple flavor. It's almost grapefruity. Uh, it's hard to describe. But I also, I just picked up some more from uh, 2020, their auto race. So I got three different varieties of theirs and it's got a lot of different stuff in there, like Twizzlers and some other stuff. So I'm going to pop these. I also, from Morningstar, got one called Power Grape, which I will pop too, I think, for the summer. And that's hopefully going to be way different than any of his other stuff. Um, I mean, I'm not saying this other stuff was bad, but I just wanted something, a different flavor profile, you know. Nothing wrong with a little variety. Uh, Breeder Steve's company is actually called Spice of Life or was called Spice of Life Seeds. And they say variety is the spice of life. So I like uh, that. it's nice to have some more flavors in your wheelhouse. Yeah. And as far as the breeding thing, I finished, uh, I fulfilled this fucking thing with seeds. Damn. But, uh, yeah. So that's the tire fire times the cuvee photo period. And uh, I plan on, I've actually sent a few seeds out to a couple of people that reached out and then um, I'm going to run some seeds and I want to see kind of what comes of that because uh, I want to make sure there's no weird mutations and things like that. And if they're decent uh, seeds, I'm sure I'd be uh, happy to send them out to people, but I, I don't want, I want to make sure that they're at least stable. I, I would hate to seed out people's gardens and be responsible for that. And I'll still put that put that uh, warning out there if anybody reaches out and be like look man these are only been tested very little bit so don't uh you know keep an eye on them that was the case with the velvet punch i sent them out just to some friends and people that asked to be testers and said hey these are testers they've never been grown before uh watch out this is the lineage and uh a few people uh found some hermes three out of the i don't know i sent out 70 packs and I've seen about 15 different people grow it so far and three out of 15. So I would say there's a decent chance to find Hermes, uh, especially in stressful situations like small pots, light leaks. And uh, the one case there was definitely light leaks and other stuff in that same time hermed. But uh, that being said, it's possible within that genetic lineage. So anybody who's gotten those seeds who I've given in the past, I sent them all for free and nobody paid for shipping or anything. And uh, again, warned them and have put it out there a few times but it's always good to remind the people if you do have those velvet punch f2s there may be some hermes if you uh run those so look out for them especially in the first few weeks of flower is when people are seeing like week three uh week two to week yeah. four is when i'd always be looking with any nutrient I, I run i'd advise anyone who starts any seeds from any source always keep an eye out for the hermes because there's multiple multiples examples of people that paid like 300 dollars for a bag of seeds 10 seeds and there's like five of them herms so yeah anytime it's from seed you got a risk of herms for sure so you know what you know i just heard today you guys have you guys heard about um and maybe i'm behind uh, the wheel here but that they have uh intersex testing on plants have you guys heard of that there's, yeah, there's i like have a, not i've, I've yeah. i do like testing for male female like uh, farmer freeman easy xy i just sent off seven the other day the American ones, Amy Aces, we talked a little bit about before the show. I finally just got the protocols and everything for the PCR so I can do that. Now I just got to, you know, 
trial and yourself. error it. I've got to trial and error it until I figure it out. You got to get Brandon a uh, a CRISPR machine. Yeah, give me one of those. Let me figure <laughs> yeah, that out. <laughs> Brandon's plants would be doing push-ups and fucking running out of his pots, harvesting themselves and shit. Yeah, I'm sure they would be. They'd be like self-topping. They'd be like, watch this. Check this out. Boop, watch this plant. It fucking self-tops. It only grows. It only grows apical buds. No larf. We'll be there someday. Yeah, we'll see. It would be interesting to see cannabis domestication go the route of like broccoli in that way. Kind of like, or like Brussels sprouts, just like, you know, just like massive, maybe not too massive though. Um, You know, bud sites just kind of going up in a stem with like leaves, like big fat fan leaves, maybe. Some autoflowers. Some autoflowers look like that. They look like a giant, like my mic, but like seven times the size. It's just like one giant fucking bud i've seen something like that yeah then there's the like um i'm blanking on the name uh, australian bastard cannabis which doesn't really look anything like cannabis at all um and then they've got a few other ones there's the duck foot and like fasciated plants look pretty crazy with that like mohawk bud um, the like when you get the uh, the flower growing out of the um the center of the fan all the leaflets you know kind of at that like at the bottom or the top um, kind of where the petiole, not where the petiole meets the stem, where the petiole fans out, literally. Yeah, much cool pretty, stuff uh, like pretty that. cool. Yeah, that is pretty neat. The cannabis does a bunch of weird stuff, doesn't it? Plus, it gets you high. <laughs> Probably the weirdest thing it does when you think about it. <laughs> yeah, I don't know enough about genetics, but I, isn't aren't intersex traits pretty much built into cannabis? Isn't that it's kind of what makes yeah, it a little mean, bit unique yeah they're diocious plants so genetically they hold both traits so wouldn't a test they always can. show it i mean uh, i could be there look at i could i can make a plant herm almost any plant the only plant i could never get to uh i could get it to herm but i couldn't get it to uh, have viable pollen from that herm was the was that purple kush from oaksterdam mid 90s that pk cut but my question is is like Knowing that, that if we can get all the plants to Herm, then wouldn't a test always show? I mean, how can it be a test for intersex traits if every plant has that? Whether it will express it or not. I think it's... Maybe well, to I, see if it's uh, maybe to see if it's recessive or to see if it's a dominant characteristic. Because if, it's, do, if it's a dominant characteristic, that's not what you want. If it's recessive, then it's like, okay, well, it may or may right. not show. Yeah, that would make some sense. Well, and you know, like even when a plant herms, it will throw only XX pollen. So it's going to be a different kind of plant than a XY. And so the males exactly. are, are different than the females in uh, that way as well. So there's like uh, a yeah, distinction. True. true. Yeah, I forget who told me about that, but someone's like, because I was telling them about, uh, you know, testing for males at a young age. And they're like, oh, well, did you see the, the intersex testing? And I was like, what? I didn't even hear that. <laughs> I hadn't seen it, but I would believe that it's possible to maybe find something in a bunch of plants that they've identified as being intersex. But like we were talking about earlier, a lot of people can fo- like kind of force a plant to become intersex or um, maybe they just naturally become that, but they can identify it as a female. Like I've been using farmer Freeman for literally hundreds of tests at this point, And they've had a hundred percent accuracy males and females. And I've kept both for breeding projects or just fed them to my cats <laughs> with the males in some occasions. So they're extremely I can, accurate. I can I can second that because I've literally I've gone through 
uh, I've gone through probably, you know, maybe 1,500 of those things by now. What are you guys doing that? Are you guys doing How many sets of leaves do you have before you can take a clip off that? Dude, you can take, you can oh, literally, yeah, you can take the Kaledon leaf. Oh, wow. Cotyledon. Cotyledon. Yeah, I remember I, I, I like to say Cotyledon because it sounds like a dinosaur or something, but it's Cotyledon. Uh, Cotyledon. <laughs> that reminds me of like, uh, you know, how we have like, uh, like Greek things like Heracles or whatever. Spe- you know, what if we, what if the word like spectacle Spectales or something like that. Like you just change the little the, the ending. The pronunciation. Totally ch- you know just what I mean? I, I love humor like that. I love linguistics. I've I'd only ever that. seen it written because I never like actually physically attended a botany class where I'd heard somebody speak it out or like heard that in a lecture. I'd only ever like read it. So uh, it was one For of those me, things. You know, even though I know like that it should be something more like hemitera. Um, I always pronounce the P in hemiptera, even though the terra is the P silent because it means wing. Um, you know what I mean? But like, because I'm just used to reading it like it was an English word, that's kind of how I pronounce it. You know um, what? Sometimes. I I had to drop out of my um, my college art history class because you literally have to know how to speak like multiple foreign languages so that because you were graded wow. on the spelling of all these French, Italian, German, Renaissance artists' names. And so you'd have to be able to know all those little cues. And I was like, this is one thing that my brain has a lot of trouble with. So Chris Webb, in, Chris Webb in the chat asks, at Jake Greenstock, what is the process of sex, sex testing for sex? It, is it cells they are looking at DNA? So essentially the yeah, one that I DNA. use is Farmer Freeman. Yeah, it's DNA, but the process, you basically take an envelope and you take a small cutting off of one of the leaves. You can use the um, first, like even non-true set of leaves, uh, cotyledon, I think is how it's pronounced. Um, but the, you, I usually wait until they have like two or three sets of leaves and it's growing a little bit. And then I take a snip of one of the lower leaves and then it, it, just like a quarter inch is enough you put that in the envelope some people do stamp cards if they're in like a red state and they're worried about sending they can also test for asparagus or other types of things to see if it's male or female and um, so you send that in and then they take that leaf sample and they put it into a pcr testing tube and they can test the dna and say with their analytic they've figured out a way to identify this is a male this is a female so they email you back and it says all the numbers that they have pre-labeled on the little stakes that you stick in with the plant They'll say this number, this number, and that number are male, and all the rest are female. So you can go through and pull out the males. And um, you can do that like six to eight weeks. Like, or not six to eight weeks, like probably five to six weeks earlier than identifying it by visual. Yep. So it saves you on space, lighting, nutrition, if you're nutrient feeding and things like that. But it's helpful, it's helpful if you're a pheno hunting too and you're not looking for any breeding work and you just literally want to pull out all your males so you can grow from seed. He's like wanting like more like what exactly they're looking at in the lab and, and I think they're just looking at chromosomes. They're just looking at looking for X's yeah. and Y's. Yeah. Yeah, it's like a sequence of DNA and they can identify so something in there. What what happens is the PCR, what it does is it it has this uh, chemical and it splits the DNA and then replicate it. It rechanges it all back together. And then, so there's enough DNA that they can, you know, put this marking fluid in and that marking fluid will be like 
will come up one color or the other color. So it's kind of just like a boy or girl, you know, red or blue. So they just add the, they add the plant material to the PCR machine. It does its little magic and then it pops out a color and it says male or female and they just go and write down. Now a couple of people are asking where exactly can they go to get these tests? There's a few oh. different places. Like yeah. um, <laughs> I use Farmer Freeman, EZXY, because he grows his own at home and like he's a home grower he's in the cannabis community but there's also a few different places oh, farmer, uh, yeah, like is that tell you email from, address uh, they can go to or do they have to dm them on instagram that they want to know yep. i hit him up yes. on instagram always and then uh but he has a website i think if you click on go through his instagram I are could, you considering getting your own equipment brandon or doing it in-house there's that well, there's a pcr at the indoor facility already it's been sitting there along with mycology and bacterial incubators um so I mean, might as well put those things to use. Yeah, buddy, no doubt. It's farmerfreeman.com slash order. And I'm not sponsored, but I actually use this and it has helped me and saved me, me money. And as this is a cheap home grow, I recommend it to people. But Delta Leaf Labs is another one. Steep Hill Labs is another one. So there's more than uh, just Farmer Freeman doing it, but I like to support the people in the community personally. Um, it's about 10 bucks a test if you get the stuff on sale, uh, like 12 bucks per test, I think, if it's not on sale. So. It seems like it could be expensive, but in reality, if you run the numbers of uh, how much time it saves you in space, like you might not have to up pot. I tested everything in solo cups, so I never had to transplant up till one gallon without knowing, is this a male or a female? In this yeah. case, I'm only growing females, so it uh, is definitely going to save me big time. Yep. I recommend, I recommend it if you're a home grower. It's not expensive. Ten bucks to see if your plant is female or male the same time if you've only got one or two plants man just take a clone of that plant and throw it in a cup of water and put it in your flower room it's fucking so easy that's what i've always done that's true oh by oh, the way man, no, i'm glad you're all right boss nah, i appreciate yeah, that too, man. man so spartan let's let's walk that through i'm just curious because I, I like the idea it saves people money as well i want to give people the option if they have the time the space and the energy to do that so how old is your plant when you take that first cut uh, it depends on how everybody wants to run their system. It's a, it's a million different answers for a million different questions. But I mean, whenever it's ability, I mean, longer than, you know, you don't want to take ever take off more than half your plant, 50% of your plant. So it has to at least be double the height of the clone that you're willing to take off. So that would be the earliest, I guess. And then, uh, yeah, so however old that would be. And then uh, you just put that in a cup of water in your flower room and maybe switch out the water every couple of days to make sure you got oxygen in that water. And watch for that plant to change and look and look to sex test it within probably, I don't even look the first week. So probably the second week is when I start looking at it um, to, to be sure. And I might leave it in there for three, four weeks. I mean, a cup takes up zero space and it doesn't need a lot of light. So it can be right on the floor in between your plants or on top of a pot, something like that. And so I've used the I sex start... testing and, I, and it's just a pain in my ass to have to, for one, I can't go to the store and get a sex test. So for one, I have to order the shit to come to me. And then once they come to me, you have to wait for them to come to me. And then once they come to me, then I do the whole process, send it off and get the results back online. But to me, that's a pain in the ass for one or two plants when I can just do that, throw it in a cup of water and put it in the fucking flower room and watch. I mean, I'm not in that big of a hurry. If I was big production, yeah, it's, it'd make more sense to, for 100%, make more sense to get those results faster. But I'm not in any kind of hurry. Well, I think on small production, because that's what I'm in right now, I have five square feet and then I have a veg space that's one square foot. And so what I do is uh, take 
I buy like 20 of them and that will allow me to say like, I'm growing seven plants right now and I'm sex testing all of them. And that seven is going to go down to two or three, uh, eventually, hopefully the best two females, but it just saves me what you said. If in my case, if I was a girl plant big enough to take a clone, that would be at minimum four weeks. And then you said another like two to three weeks. So seven weeks compared to like knowing in week two of veg, just, it saves me a lot like that five week time and allows me to better plan for the next grow, things like that. So I think it, it just comes down to everybody's setup. Like on large scale, I can see why it makes sense. And on small scale, I can see why it makes sense. And I've done the math on it and it has saved me money every single time, in my opinion, just on the soil transplanting up and the space. In my, in my system, my, my veg is, is smaller than my flower room. And the only purpose of my veg is to feed that flower room. So my veg isn't on any kind of schedule. I just give my, because I'm in organics, I can give just water. I just give them water and I put the four best plants under a light when there's an empty light. So for me, I can leave plants in there all day long. That's all I do is leave plants in there. And you know what I mean? It doesn't matter to me. And, you know, cups don't take up any space in my flower room. So for me, it works out great because. It's very I, similar to what I do. Yeah, very I'm just a laid back guy. I'm just laid back guy. And that's how I yeah, run my too. home grow, dude. Yeah. <laughs> my, my bedroom is just like he said, is to feed my flower room. And that's funny. Jack, uh, about the one square foot, that just shows you, man, if you want to grow, you're going to grow. Growers grow, man. It doesn't matter what your space is. They're going to figure out a way. Man, I started off with a closet, and my bedroom was the shower in my bathroom. And, uh, man, you you don't really need a whole lot, man. If you, you, you can stack a lot of stuff in there if you're really aggressive with it. And like I, I, I pull said, pounds just, every single yeah. year out Hell of there. Yeah. So it works Hell for me yeah. and my wife. And uh, it's awesome, definitely. Man. Everybody, I'm, I'm happy we talked about both ends of the spectrum because it offers people the option because if they want to use Delta Leaf, I'm not sponsored by Farmer Freeman. I've just had great experiences with them. That's why I talk about them. But there's, like I said, Steep Hill's great. A bunch of companies are great at it. But then you can also not even use it. You can just veg the plant long enough and, and see if it's a male or a female uh, in veg most of the time if you have a veg space with enough space and enough time. So there's a whole bunch of different ways to go about doing it. And I don't think that any one way is better than the other. It's just, uh, I'm glad that we're giving that information out to the people. I do have a question from Smart Poker who asked way earlier, but shout out to you, Smart Poker, longtime listener and always in the chat every Sunday. I see you in lots of different shows. So cheers to you. I have a question at Jack Greenstock with spring here. How do we introduce a houseplant in soil to our home without compromising our IPM for the cocoa cannabis grow? And uh, I'll pass that to Matthew Gates. I only heard the transplanting part of that question. It's like bringing a house plant into your house. What kind of IPM strategy can you safely bring a house plant into your house and not infest your grow? Uh, I see. Yeah. So I would say the most important thing you could do is you could, of course, before you bring it into your house, look it over. Right. Um, I often ask people, um, to crop scout in this way as well to have like a kind of like a metric or, or a typical amount of like samples that they take at least for like commercial applications which is your own home grow maybe the structure is not as important or you're going to be going over your plants with much more detail um, when you do bring it in if you can not keep it around your other plants at first some sort of a quarantine would be really great not everyone has the ability to do so and not everyone has the ability to do it well. I know Jack has an example that he's even talked about before 
where you even just kept them like near in a cardboard box or something, right? It wasn't like a mesh screen or anything like that, but that's still better than nothing. And if you like, keep them like physically separated. If you live on your own or with a really awesome wife like myself, then uh, <laughs> in my kitchen, there's above the kitchen, there's usually a, or a stove, there's a little light with a fan above it, right? So I set a pot upside down on top of the stove with a cardboard box that our like produce had come in. I cleaned out that box really well and checked it. There was no bugs in there or anything. But I set those clones in that cardboard box and basically had a piece of paper down uh, so that the light wouldn't like shine into the living space and ran that fan and put the plants right underneath it. So I got a little bit of airflow, a little bit of light and uh, kept it in a box for a few days and actually ended up finding there was root aphids <laughs> in this case. Mm -hmm. So it saved my ass a few times. The other time I found spider mites, I've actually upgraded it. So no other grow. I have a uh, emergency spot. I usually just run from seed every time. That's why my situation is a little bit different. I like to do the sex testing every time and I don't often uh, take clones, but when I do, I have an area for clones that can also be used as a quarantine if there's not clones being uh, kept in the cloner. It's another one square foot <laughs> cabinet. So like you said, you make it work with uh, whatever space you got. The other thing yeah. that you can do, of course, is you can apply some sort of a treatment method before you have a problem, even if you don't see anything on your first Passover. So that's also just something you can add right at the beginning before you even start to bring it in. Also, if you know what kind of a house plant it is, no, like even just doing a cursory Google search, like what are some common pests of this house plant? Um, can be very helpful. I would be more aggressive with some spray because if it's not an edible or a, you know cannabis plant, uh, you know I would get I would be more aggressive with some sort of pesticide maybe right you know spray that thing down like a retard or I, I take that back <laughs> like spray that down very thoroughly. Um, yeah, sorry. You would uh, yeah you would want to use something very um, very harsh. Um, it's one of the one of the one of the ways you could actually especially with the uh, plants that are like they got like a really great like waxy cuticle that can like take it although it really depends on the plant we're talking about um there's a person yeah, on instagram that i associate with uh planting the pain away um and we've collaborated a lot um she's had lots of different horticultural sort of house plants that she grows and having issues with like flat mites or spider mites or thrips um and um, all kinds of interesting things. Usually not too bad though. Um, but uh, yeah, they can definitely be vectors. I wanna shout out Noah Grow and, and Spartan Grow. And I think both uh, have mentioned in the past being preventative and almost treating the cuts that they get as if it's already infected. And I'm gonna start doing that in the future. I thought, oh, I'll save myself. Cause the few times that I actually got a cut, quarantined it and it had no problems, it just worked out great. So you're not spending any time or money uh, or material or effort really on treating it with like a sulfur or a whatever you're gonna use. Um, but another trip tip, Noah said, as you often don't chime in, but I learned from you as well, that I like because I got through day fits one time is treat the clone, but then take another clone of that clone. So you're getting basically rid of, rid of the media if it came with like soil or a rock wool or whatever cut came in you can then basically get a fresh start in your own system with that cut. And uh, I think that can help prevent a lot of stuff being brought in. And then you throw that yep. into your little veg or quarantine area. Yeah. Just pretend that everything that you get has something, you know, obviously sink angel being here. It's awesome. And uh, the other thing that he just said earlier is the most important thing is, is crop scouting. 
And obviously I know that, but just listening to him say it before I, I get, I'm more aggressive with it. And when you, when you bring in a clone, like if you can quarantine it in a different area, like I said, I have a little, uh, even to this day, I have a little shower curtain going across in my shower and I have a little teeny, like two foot T5 and I'll just do everything. And then I just pretend it has it. And then I'll take a clone off of it and I might dip it in. Um, I used to do like Azimax or Neem oil. I would just dip the whole thing in it when I take a clone, but now I use the amazing Dr. Zymes, but yeah, you just, you can get away with more doing it that way. And just, it's safe. Just like you said, it saved me multiple times because I, I figure when you get a clone from somebody, it's, it's usually like at least 50, 50 that it's got something. Yeah. And they don't even necessarily know it. That's the ultimate kind of, unfortunate nature of it is it can be totally non-malicious and almost always is um sometimes people are hiding from you uh but usually they're not your friends <laughs> so one of the things too is like this right let's say you have you get a cut from somebody who does all their ipm and all that other stuff just because they don't physically see insect pressure, it's because they're a good cultivator and they're doing that, but it doesn't necessarily mean that something isn't there. It's just that such a, it could be at a level that there's no, you know, visible damage. It's at, it, they're holding it at an ecological threshold to where it's not affecting the plant anyway. It's not even noticeable. Two great examples of that is uh, powdery mildew spores. The first like uh, 100, 120 hours of lettuce powdery mildew that does infect cannabis is basically invisible to human vision. Um, a thrips like Western flower thrips and others in that in that same um, family, I believe, uh, they insert their eggs into the plant tissue itself and don't necessarily have a lot of like really overt damage unless you were to like with a fine tooth, fine tooth comb, just like go through all the different plant tissue. And if it's a bigger plant, I don't think this is very feasible. Um, and of course we have a uh, hop latent viroid, which as the name implies is, is too. hemp russet is real, real, real small, real small. It is very small. Broad mites are too, but the reason I wouldn't include them is because usually you can see the damage that their saliva causes, that, like crinkling, but not always, not at the beginning necessarily. And they could be on your clothes too. I will say this, the uh, two times I got cuts that had insect pressure, it came from clone nurseries. The two times that I got clean cuts, it came from my homies' gardens <laughs> who are just growing for themselves and happened to hook me up like with the cherry pie cut and with the J1 cut. Um, those were clean as a whistle. I quarantined them, didn't have to spray them with anything. Great experience. And then the times that I got them from people that I'm not going to throw any nurseries under the bus because like Brandon was talking about, their plants probably looked healthy and great. And I've seen pictures of their uh, setups and I've even been to the one person setup and they were well, honest it, about having issues. Didn't, but... uh, didn't Darkheart spread the hemp latent around? Hop latent, yeah, big time. And then they like found the cure, and then they said, we'll sell you the cure. <laughs> so they spread the fucking issue, and then they'll sell you the cure, which I think is the ultimate irony. But at least they figured it out. I believe, personally, it's a uh, heat treatment and a cold treatment with a tissue culture. Um, not to, like, burst their bubble. Uh, I don't know how much IP they have behind oh, well. that, but... You need a lot more technical ability without just that description. Um, yeah, so no, certainly, you I think they're, yeah, they're certainly, I think, protected there or safeguarded for that. Um, they may be doing right. other stuff. Yeah. 
I can't claim I'm not working they, with them. They were they definitely. This, huh? They were discussing this issue on a different program earlier today, and I just kept thinking to myself, you "Just go out and buy a fresh, clean piece of that same cut." You know what I mean? They're talking about cleaning these cuts. It's like thousands, if not more, dollars to have your stuff like meristem tissue culture to the point where it's clean again. Yeah. Where you could just go find that same exact cut, go buy it for a thousand dollars and be done. At least hopefully. I yeah, I guess is there any well, that are that rare answer where there to, is not another one in no, the, the entire is, world? These clone places is if they like would you call it dark horse or whatever they're called? Dark, dark, heart. Heart. dark heart is like if they have the tissue culture capability that's what they should be doing for every one of their clones it should be a tissue culture clone and then they can guarantee a clean cut coming out the door or pretty close to yeah but these guys are pumping out like you know trays and trays for people who are doing acreage and greenhouses and huge guys, grows and stuff so it's not getting, feasible or practicable uh, uh, uh financially feasible to buy tissue cultured clones they do it in cucumbers, I'll say that. And it they say really one of the biggest scale. things is it scales once you get it to a large mass, if you do it correctly. But one thing is, Spartan um, and Kyle, you could even um, talk to this because you sent a clone to one of the people out here in California. I can't remember their name, but they tested your clone that you sent to them, allegedly. I know it's not even allegedly because of the hemp farm bill right now. But so you sent them a clone. They tested it for hoplite and as well as like tobacco, mosaic virus, and a whole bunch of other things. And then there's places like Node Labs and other places that do sell tissue culture clones. And I believe that some of them are certifying this is a clean of hoplite and clone with that clone when you buy it. Yeah, and I actually a did. Breeder in a, Michigan. I, I did. There's a breeder in Michigan that sells clones of his cuts, uh, State Genetics. That, that they sell tissue culture clones that you can go and get they're, they're yeah that's actually i was actually just talking to kevin jodry uh yesterday about this whole topic so i'm about to spend uh, i'm not going to say the number or, or what or anything but uh so i'm about to start taking tc classes where i'm going to learn mary stem and all the other stuff and uh, then i spoke to kevin about what he thought in regards to you know where the industry is going with it and you know the the ups and the downs of being involved in it and would it help and uh He's all about it, man. You know, and, uh, you know, just he, it's like I have a whole novel of a list of what he told, what he wrote back to me from the questions I asked. But uh, I definitely think it's something that's, uh, once you know what you're doing, it's, it's, it's pretty efficient. I mean, he said it's like, was telling me basically if you're just plugging for clones, he's like, it's killer, it's stellar because you can have an, an extreme amount of material in such a small area. And then even when it, in regards to, you know, for people like me and whoever else is like breeding. You know, there's tons of, of crosses that I have that I have to start deleting because I just don't have the space. And for me, if I could just take uh, a nodal stem and, and, and preserve it in, in that culture, well, I can always come back to that years later and, and just basically bring that product back out, uh, you know, down yeah, the line. The space so just, that you save, just holding it, you holding 100 strains into the fucking mini fridge. You know what I mean? That's what I'm going to do with the curador. That's, what I'm, That's why I'm trying about. to learn it. Man. That's what I'm teaching myself. Yeah, so the things that I do to preserve genetics, dude, I go through extremes. You guys, you need to know how bad the weather is out here, but I got some shit rigged up just to keep plants alive until the weather gets better. (laughs) You know what I mean? That's important. I mean, I I just think that, like, on on the point of like hot plate and viroid and transmission, um, which uh, which actually now that I think about it, a professional, a, a colleague of mine, uh, Dr. Umahi, was on the Future Cannabis Project today. I think talking about that. Um, so you can check him out about that. Now that I think about it, I did miss it. But regardless, um, for me, I have a. I guess my main concern is just that, like, 
in my experience, I know that um, commercial cultivation facilities, although they aren't supposed to do this, obviously, in some cases, a lot of cases, uh, plant material does get in um, and uh, taken from like private, you know, residents or from other places or whatever. And I guess it's more so that like kind of recursive effect that like a lot of those plants with hot platen get get passed, nobody knows about it or nobody knows who has it, then those cuts get passed to other people, uh, you know, in a second swing, people who own them privately, share them with friends. And over time, those intermingle with other ones. And then kind of there's this full circle that comes about when those plants then inevitably go back to sadly some nurseries or other sorts of cultivation facilities. And the process starts over, but it's all... Um, it's like hysteresis. There's this like uh, lagging effect that happens um, that catches up with the, with the with the first round, if that makes sense. I'm being a little inarticulate, but I think you know what I'm trying to say. Matthew, did you see the Diego P question? It says how much time the virus uh, stays alive in the plant or dead infected plant tissue or material? The vi so the viroid, the viroid is actually very, um, I guess you could say it's very vulnerable. Um, unlike other viruses, um, they don't have like, it's not, it's, isn't it not really like a virus though? Because it's like an it's RNA. It's not a virus, it's a viroid. Viroid, yeah. Cause it, so, it, it, it replicates RNA, uses the plant's RNA to replicate itself. Right. It, um, so it doesn't, so one thing it doesn't lack that it does lack that a lot of viruses have is a protein casing called a caspid. Um, and they're ba so a lot, so and I'm not a virologist, right? So even for viroids are even kind of contentious. Some people describe them as subviral. Some people recognize that there are like things called satellites that allow viroids to interact with other viroids or other viruses even that allow them to be infectious. Um, viroids are not found in any other organism so far except for plants, as far as I understand it. Um, so they're very, they're extremely, um, they're extremely basic replicating thing if you you know however you want to define it and they don't and to answer the question they don't um don't really last outside of their um their host the main way that they're transmitted is not through like an insect vector for example um it's through at least in some cases it seems like seeds at least in hops um, and possibly other cannabis although i'd like to see more research to that effect um but but mostly mechanically um you I know, would think like that using equipment. So that yeah, I think that's kind of the crux of the question scissors. is even kind of the crux of the question though, maybe behind it, or at least that's what I was thinking when I saw the question was like, for example, if you had a, a dead plant, like say it was a harvested plant and uh, it's been hanging for a week and I brush against that plant and then I go touch a living plant. Can I transfer it that way? Oh, I don't think so. So well, after the plant dies, when, like, what's the window? zero i mean like maybe there's like some infinitesimally yeah. small amount of time after it quote unquote dies but it needs living tissue here's it here's it's not stable outside its host here's an example so if you were to go take if you were in your garden right and you had a uh plants that were infected in your garden and you're going in there and you're gonna go prune up everything right and you're in there just smashing that shit out bam 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 you cut up all the this 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 whole variety that all has hemp latent viroid right after that. And you start pruning on the next stuff. 
I think doubt is one way that it's going to be transmitted because it's such a s- small amount of time before you're, you know, you have, you know, plant material on your instrument and you're transmitting yeah. it to the That's what one. they said. But I was thinking like in a harvest when you're, you're taking down a plant, I mean, it's still probably got living tissue on that plant for. Yeah. It depends hours. on how living the tissue is. I would say, I think Brandon is making a great point about like that kind of. And you I, too, I, I Spartan. So yeah, I'm just saying like, can I, if I, oh. my guess, you know, what my guess would be Spartan is as soon as that plant stops, uh, you know, creating proteins is probably when those viruses stop because it, it it takes these internal mechanisms for these things to, you know, to work. And so So, if the plant stops building RNA, then the thing's going to not function. With like a banana, for example, when you harvest it and it's yellow, or I don't even know if they're harvesting it yellow, but as it develops or it ripens, it becomes like brown and then black ultimately. Um, With cannabis, like the second you harvest it, I'd imagine when you chop the stalk, the whole plant's not just dead like that. You know, there's like still water and moisture. The root, I feel like even the root mass will still drink up some water if like you're in a sip for a little while. And so I'm curious. Certainly happens with trees and stumps. Yeah. I mean, have you ever, you know, went and harvested your plant and then come back and there's just a massive amount of just goo just coming out of that stuff, dude. Dude, so I do think that like when the two, uh, yeah, I agree. If the cells are dead, the viroid is dead. Basically. Maybe so with some caveats. Depends on your drying methods and time and heat and temperature and all that good stuff. But uh, it's best to clean your scissors between because it seems kind of like uh, with humans, with some of the like STDs that are transmitted through like, uh, you know, transmitting your fluids from one to another. If you're cutting a plant and there's still that fluid, it's like live, for example. And then when you go to cut the other plant, you've transplanted it from one to the other. It's sensitive enough that a leaf touching another leaf can transplant it from one plant to the other. So if you're cutting your scissors from one plant to another without rinsing or washing, I think there's a short enough timeline there to expect it's definitely going Absolutely. to transfer. I think that's the main way that it gets transmitted. And so that's kind of why I think what Spartan and Brandon mentioned was um, really critical because you're, you're kind of possibly, maybe after a week, not so much, but um, I do think that like there could be a special time. There's certainly a time period between plant cells or respirating and doing all the things that they would normally do, but their time is very limited now. Um, and then like cell death. And I, I don't honestly know exactly when that would be. And I'd love to see more research on the topic. Certainly an interesting one. We have another question from 428 Community Videos who actually just left a second ago, but cheers to the GMO. Uh, what's the panel's thoughts on seeds made from a female that made pollen after 30 hours lights on, but also finished female after the issue? So it sounds like they had a timer issue. The light stayed on for 30 hours in a row, as opposed to having a few hour cycles of 12-12, and that caused it to stress, herm, and then seed itself. But then once they fixed it, it reverted back to uh, mostly female and like a slightly seeded female plant. So. So, like we've said tons and tons of times before, some of the best varieties in cannabis have come from accidents, and they're not necessarily stable. So, you know, it's really yeah. it's really contingent on you know the person that's going to grow that 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 seed out. Dude, I've got I've got yeah, like what are your what are your plans with it really? 
So I got these really big silicone. Uh, they're supposed to be for concentrates, but people don't put concentrates in silicone. The dye in the silicone can still leach out into your concentrates. I've seen it. So I say this is just saved seeds that I just find randomly. I don't know where they're at or where they came from. They're on my floor or something like that. But I'm not throwing those fuckers out. Who knows what they could be in there? So, yeah, I'm with Brandon. And uh, especially in that situation where you know what the cause was, you know it was your own fault. And it was so the first thing. I would be keeping yeah. I have a jar of randoms that one of these days I'm just going to be like, I'm doing a random pheno hunt. Yeah, you have All the random ass shit. Yeah. I'm gonna, gonna do it. Do I'm gonna do it when I get some land. When I get some I land, said that's I'm my do plan. That. Then I said uh, I'm gonna use these seed sprout tea, and then now, yeah, now the randoms like, and then I have them all over. I forget to label them. I've had so, people reach out to me on Instagram asking for some practice so cracking, <laughs> practice cracking them. You know, the seed cracker. <laughs> it would be cool yeah. to be. That would that be is, cool for that. I didn't even think about that. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it's but all yeah I uh, I just finished one of my projects actually. I just finished the uh, the OG Malawi dog. F two'd it because I only had three seeds, and my buddy asked me to preserve it. It was from two thousand and one. Was Malawi Malawi and Kim dog? Malawi's got some of the best flower structure I've ever seen on a plant. Man, they're just I mean the ones that I got were just like straight up like. The, from the beginning to the branch to the very tip of the branch is straight buds. It was just like long ass sticks. Speaking of straight buds, nice Noah. Yeah, what's up? Frosty uh, what's up? Junk. With my uh, ribs all messed up. Yeah, no, this is that platinum I just put on my uh, on my Instagram right here. I'm pulling one of them down. Damn, that looks good. That was the yeah. plat. What? Which one was that? Platinum. That's, that that's was the platinum in-house. OG. That's platinum that was, OG. Kush. Was that in house? Uh, yeah, I believe a- so. I got a cut of it from somebody who gave it to me a few years back, and it's uh, man, it's yeah, one of the ones all the good I- cuts, Noah. Man, I love this one, man. This one's yeah. legit, boys. Is it like a, with that chunk. Is it like a? Is it like a frosted out Bubba Kush? Yeah, it is. It's it, but it's got real purple tendencies. I mean, this is the one where I replaced those uh, pre filters on my. Uh, carbon filters and i got new carbon filters and my dad came on today he's like man you can smell that down the block i was like that's, oh man that's a fucking keeper man that's a good one yeah. <laughs> yeah, put it on the camera oh yeah no it's uh it's legit um i'm pulling Looks down cushy. a bunch of it right here right now <sighs> nice that's what you no, can do a little you bit more than five light? square feet Hell yeah, dude. Look at that. He's nice, got the nice. HPS. Old yeah, school. I'm, OG. I'm still running that old school uh, HPS 1000 watt Hortolux. Um, I've been looking at the Gavitas and all that, but it's just like it's not really as cost efficient to switch it right now. But um, I've been looking at some of the lights I've seen Brandon have, some of the ones full duplex, and just I'm going to, you know, go to LED, but it's it's tough, you know. I mean, I got a whole bunch of garden stuff. I'm going to start some of this living soil outside. And with results just, like that, right? It's got to be. Yeah, that's what, that's why I don't <laughs> want to rock the boat too much, you know? I have to say, I like the color a lot. Let's get let's get a really good picture of it. Yeah, it's it's pretty good. I'll, I'll, I'll take a picture of one of these buds and I'll post it on my Instagram. I just did post one from the flower room the other day, but yeah, I'll, I'm trimming some up right now. There's one. So, yeah, just having some fun, you know, hanging out with all you guys, man. Just 
I feel really lucky to be alive, man. I got hit really hard, guys, probably like 45, 50 miles an hour. And then the dude got out and ran and that uh, like uh, like on my face right here. That's from where my glasses hit my face. Just boom. And did he, have like a, did he have a stolen car? Is that why he took off? Yeah, the police said he had a stolen car because I oh, was, wow. I was in my wife's brand you'd think you'd new be more careful. car. I was in my wife's brand new car. It literally had 800 miles on a 2021 oh. Honda. Yeah, but it, it, if it had been a, if it had been a, a, one of my old rigs, because I, I don't have no new rig like that, but I probably would have gotten really, really hurt. Yeah, I didn't even think about that, dude. Good, thank God you're in the new new. Well, so you were at a, you were at a dead stop, and he he came in. You at forty five? So no, I was coming. So so I was coming off of this uh, this uh, the, the freeway onto this road, and I look over and there's a semi truck, and he must have been on the other side of that semi truck. I look over and it was late at night. It was like midnight. And then I just pull out. And then right then I seen the headlights and just boom, he hit me, spun the whole car around. And I got, I, I kind of got knocked out a little bit. And uh, a guy, just a passer, a passerby came up and was like, call 911 and looking in there. And I, I must've been kind of passed out. Cause he was like, are you awake? And I was like, yeah, I'm okay. And I go, are you okay? And he was like, dude, I'm not the one that hit you. The guy that hit you ran off. And I was like, oh man. But we got full coverage insurance and stuff, so we're gonna be all right. You know, Very happy to hear that. Cars, yeah. cars can be replaced. You know, so that's the silver that lining. Powder, that airbag powder is no joke, huh? Oh, <laughs> dude, I'll that's post a flavor. picture of what it did to my sweater. It burned my sweater and my arm and everything. Oh, that's yeah. what hurts the most is my left side right here. Oh man! Wait, you got injuries from your oh. airbag? Oh, dude, big time. The side you call, You better call your attorney, call a lawyer. <laughs> oh, yeah. we're, we're getting a lawyer. We're getting a lawyer. Oh, yeah. We got to. You know there's, what I mean? Like, There's going to be medical expenses, unfortunately, so you have to go through that. If they do find the person, uh, hopefully yeah. they do, because that is a serious crime, a hit and run, and, 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 injuring and you, somebody. And you need, to, fucked up. you need to go to the hospital, too, if you have an Oh, I went in the ambulance. Dude, okay. my, I, I, I'm a heart patient, dude. My blood pressure was like 200 over 100, and I thought I was having oh, a heart shit. attack. Like, oh, I was damn, just, dude. I mean, and I'm still having a hard time breathing. Like, I swear my lungs are a little bit bruised, but. You're going to have to. You, hey, you're, camera so off. You, turn off your camera, bro, and, and breathe easy. Fucking take that mask off unless you're around yeah. somebody that you have to be wearing it. Serenity now. Sorry, for real nah. sorry to hear that man that's fucking brutal uh, not to like force you off camera but i, I don't want you no, to, have no. to wear the mask if uh you know what i mean i might be able to breathe easy especially after a brutal collision like that i had one at much lower like 20 miles an hour and i fractured my uh, c5 vertebrae i still have neck and back pain and shit two plus years later so uh, i'm really sorry to hear that man it's fucked up and i really hope they found out who did it uh, eventually you know because that's a serious offense and uh, shouldn't be taken lightly Yeah, and I'm just I'm having a good time hanging out with all you guys, man. Like it, stuff like this. Like I was excited for the show. Like I, you know, I mean, I was looking forward to talking to everybody, and uh, I knew I was going to pull these plants down. And yeah, man, freaking just enjoy life and 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 be safe. That's all I got to say. You know, that's inspiration to anybody out there. Because I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. shit stop him. Uh, even with the crazy shit like that, he's still taking care of his plants, and uh, that's going to be medicine for him and many other yeah. people. So. Make sure, you know, too, your body just endured a lot of trauma and that can be mentally traumatizing too. So make sure that, you know, you deal with your mental health as well, because those things can have long lasting psychological impacts, you know? So dude, being, it definitely being has. Consci- dude, being consciously aware of that and like, you're going to have to, you know, 
it's kind of like one of those things that, you know, that I've used like psychedelics to deal with and stuff in the past for like different traumas, not necessarily car accidents, but, um, you know, just being aware of that too, I think is going to be something that you want to, uh, focus on how that can impact you. Like, you know, mentally, because I've been in car accidents, dude. And like, I'm like, if I'm not the person driving and I'm in passenger, I'm like always really super nervous makes me really nervous and i'm like always and i can't help it that's part of the reason i use cannabis is for the anxiety of people on the road like i live in california where people really don't pay attention they're texting and driving fucking there's people that drink and drive and a lot of people lose their lives to that kind of shit so i take driving very very seriously and you have to be extremely careful on the roads and i still two years later after getting rear-ended every single time i stop getting off of like the freeway like the same thing that is how it happened I always am like looking behind me, even if there's not a car behind me. It's like that yep. fucking slight panic. It's like, am I going to get fucking rear-ended today yeah. again? So yeah, definitely mental health is a big thing. And if anybody needs to, whether it's car accidents or some other shit, reach out, talk to people. Because if you're just in your own head, you can go down a negative path. But you can always reach out to me. I fucking get back to all the DMs anybody's ever sent me. Um, so if you need somebody to talk to, there's been we've lost some people in our community during these hard times. Uh, so never feel like you don't have somebody to reach out to because you can reach out to me. You can come in this chat and chill with the people in the chat and uh, mental health and that a lot of people don't like to talk about. It was a stigma for a long time. And now I'm actually happy to see I, I studied psychology in college. I wanted to go into dealing with that kind of thing and decided other ways. But I think that it's really important to give it a little bit of a spotlight because not enough people do realize the importance um, of mental uh, health. That's one of the main reasons that I use cannabis is mental health like because it's good for my brain because i'd otherwise be uh, too anxious i get paranoid oh you know and that really helps i i mean i i know what you're saying dude you know cannabis hey, if you're having like trouble making your own cannabinoids plant source is good too right plant bases are right <laughs> i would agree so we just got a good question from the chat and uh, Spartan and I both highlighted it and sent it over to the Zoom, uh, like within seconds of each other. Um, funny enough, but Justin, cheers to you. He says, at Jack Greenstock, if I wanted to start an outdoor garden in ground, what's the best possible way to prepare for this? I'm going to pass that to Brandon. Okay. So if you're trying to go into like, like the actual ground, I would try to do an earth pot if you can do that, where you basically, you know, you make a pot out of the earth and then you fill it up with a really nice high quality soil. And that'll kind of help remediate the area around that hole as that plant, you know, expands into it. Um, but it can be really difficult to plant directly into native soils. And it's because cannabis has certain nutritional requirements. And if you don't have a sufficiency and balance of those, you're not going to necessarily get a good result. Um, and that's one of the things that we're working on, on our farm. We have a, a three to five year plan where we plan on bioremediating the land that we're using to cultivate our, our cannabis on. Um, and while we do our row cropping, in things like fabric pots, we're going to be doing crop cover on the land. We're going to be doing composting. We're going to be doing uh, microbial inoculants to bioremediate that land, so we can go directly in. But it takes it takes 
you know, it takes a little while to get the, that, that soil fertile because you're taking something that's essentially, you know, uh, like where I'm at, you know, this red clay doesn't, it's, it's dirt, essentially. It's not even soil. It doesn't have uh, enough aeration and enough mineral content and balance to be able to, so, you know, you have to create it. You have to create it. You have to create biodiversity, earthworms, different types of bacteria, crop covers, um, do multi-cropping, different species. You have to create a whole entire ecosystem to keep that soil like continuously going because typically it will take, you know, eons for, you know, different plants to evolve and then these soils to develop and break down and become more porous and, you know, house more humic and more microbial life and for have higher order, you know, plants develop them. So it's a, it's a huge process. So I have a little bit of experience here in Michigan anyway, with the outdoor, and this is, I'm talking 12 plants, but I guess it could apply at scale too. So I couldn't control the land a lot like what um, Brandon was just getting into and what makes it tough. My land situation was uh, I knew a guy who let me grow in his pig pen after he harvested his pigs. In the, so he would harvest his pigs, he would uh, rototill the ground, and then uh, I was able to plant wherever I wanted inside his pig pen for the season. So I did similar to what Brandon did, but a little, a little twist on it. So I would dig a hole, but I would grab fabric pots um, specifically fabric pots. I don't care what brand, just a fabric pot. And uh, as big as you want to go, I wouldn't go lower than a 20 gallon. Um, so as big as you want to deal with, but no smaller than a 20 gallon is what I would recommend. And dig a hole that's half the height of the pot that you bought. What this does, this is from experiments of us trying a bunch of different ways. What this does is it gives you an easy way to put, have a contained good soil um, for your plant to get a good head start before it gets into the native soil. Um, secondly, because it's halfway in the ground and not all the way in the ground, it's almost like a raised bed. So when you get a big torrential downpour rain, it doesn't have wet root. The feeder roots aren't sitting in water. They get to drain. You know what I mean? All those roots towards the top. So you get a little bit of breath of fresh air there. It really helps you out in, in wet situations. Um, and then, uh, so then what you do is you get your good soil um, and you can either build your own soil or buy a bag soil, whichever route you want to go there. You fill up those pots and you plant your plant in there. The um, another thing I would do is the area around where you're planting, like right now, you can get through there and just um, throw wood chips down if that's an option. Uh, anything to keep the plant growth low because uh, that's like an IPM strategy. If you keep the you know, the grass low, whatever, I don't know what you're going to be working with, but if you just keep the plant areas low and cleaned out, you know, you're not going to have to worry about as many bugs. Um, another thing I would suggest is um, an enclosure, obviously for security, like fence, we use cattle fencing stacked on top of each other, double height. Um, that's how we build our fencing. Not only does that give you security, but then it gives you a way to like, you could uh, mock up some kind of a cover or a top and the reason for that is if hail comes or something like that, you know, it gives you another, you know, you've already got the structure. So it's just an easy, an easy fix. A lot of times these things come through, you don't get a lot of uh, warning. So you, you don't, you want to prepare for all that crap to get, you know, from the get go. And then as far as um, 
supporting your plants, figure out a way to support your plants. The best thing we found, we just st uh, used uh, those metal uh, fence poles for stakes. And uh, then you could, uh, we just used uh, trellis netting because it was easy. You know what I mean? You can buy huge lengths of trellis netting in one big roll and uh, use these stakes as supports for the trellis net. And you can do two, three layers of trellis netting outdoor just like you can indoor if you want to. Um, trellis net's a great, great for support. It's a pain in the ass, 100%, but it's great for support, man. Some people use fencing uh, wrapped around in, a, in, in like a tube shape. Um, that stuff's great, but you got to cut holes in it so you can work your, you know, so you can get your arms into it and it gets sharp for that metal and cut you. It's just fucking annoying. I really like the trellis netting, even though it's plastic and it causes, I understand. Uh, it's just, I don't know. I haven't seen a better solution. And I think that's, I hit everything. That's, that's they make what hemp we're... trellis netting that's like uh, compostable. It's a little more expensive. And it's they also like twine. I think you can compost and make your own trellis. But it just depends on the size and the scale of the operation. It is a little annoying to work with, but it provides amazing structure. And it's the easiest way to a beautiful canopy. There's no mistaking why so many commercial operations use it. It creates airflow between each cola. It allows you to fill out a relatively similar height and full canopy on a very consistent basis. So it's a worthwhile investment, in my opinion. And especially if you can move towards something that's more sustainable, like a hemp compostable, but you don't have to. I mean, throwing out one set of stringy tron isn't going to ruin the world. But uh, plastic is, uh, I guess, terrible for the ocean and things like that. If you watch the sea spheracy, you're going to get uh, guilted cut. about these types even, of things. Even at work, I cut every single square of that plastic. There's no fucking necks getting caught around any of this that's on around. I cut every fucking square, dude. At least well, they make that. Cut. They make plastic. HDPE plastic is biodegradable. It's compostable. You get compostable plastic. We're definitely moving the right direction with uh, moving towards more uh, re like reasonable. Like in California, they had like a tax, a ten cent tax on the bags, and then that was dropped to the less than top 20 things littered on beaches. And there's like the straw thing. They're going from the plastic to paper or whatever other types of straw, compostable or glass, reusable, things like that. But the uh, island, a lot of island. it's the fishing industry is what a lot of people don't really talk about. And that whole seaspiracy now on Netflix, uh -huh. if anybody wants to watch some shit to go deep in on the uh, environment, that's uh, the fishing industry more. is tearing it up. I've got one more tip that just popped in my head. I wanted to share. And I got this from uh, when I went over to a uh, painted ladies, she was showing me what she did for her outdoor. It's fucking genius. So she just took rebar from the hardware store, you know, and drove rebar into the ground for um, supports. So just imagine three rows of, or two rows of rebar, you know, spaced away from each other. And then she, <laughs> went and bought pvc, PVC? that was big yep. and then just popped it onto the rebar and wrapped it to the other side and that was the frame and then just go get your plastic i'm like god damn everyone yeah. in california is smiling because that's the uh go-to standard here. <laughs> yeah yeah i was just like wow that's just so fucking slick it works very well there's a reason uh you see it all over here it's very effective it's a cheap solution you can get it up and going real fast and uh you can make depths like just rows and rows and rows of depths, like for very little cost uh, yeah. relatively. So it's a it, extremely it, effective solution. I'm all, and I, I'm, even if it's just for rain cover for a night or two or whatever, you can bust that out and we're uh, gonna be, most of your stuff outdoor. 
we're going to be running uh, autos this year. We're going to be doing, you know, trellis netting with the posts. We're running all the full duplexes stuff, early season autos, late season photos. Yeah, I'm going to be running some of that too. What, what do you got your eye on from full duplex, Brandon? Which one of those ones are you thinking about? No, he's going to give me both. We're going to get, we'll probably end up with like 6,000 seats. Well, he's got more than just two at this point. Um, the main two he was known for, I think, are Alf and uh, the other one is uh, Anvil. Spartan. Anvil. Spartan, you've reviewed, I think, with Abolished at one point, one of his strains. Uh, probably. Probably Anvil. I think that's the one that it was the purple one was Anvil. It's the Anvil. Yeah. Sequence had a good tip for like getting rid of ants in your greenhouse. I think I heard it on Michigan Bro Show the other day. He said that they like basically laid down a bunch of the ant stuff like 20 yards around the outside of the greenhouse. And then also underneath the greenhouse, they laid a bunch of it underneath. And then they put like a, um, that like fabric. Uh, I'm not saying this is the most eloquently, uh, landscaping fabric underneath like their floor. Yeah. And then, and then they put their floor it. down. Uh, but they said that's okay to care of their ant issue. So it's that's mainly the bait. It was those bait traps. So when the ant goes in, it'll go take it like food and bring it back to the colony. Poisons the colony, yeah. We've used the same things at Mitten County Coats, and they worked very well. I use it at home here in California. It's actually ant season here. And if you have ants in your home, uh, good spray I found from the Farmer's Almanac. It's uh, peppermint oil, uh, cinnamon oil, a little bit of vodka, <laughs> alcohol. Rubbing alcohol works as well and then uh, water, and then I do like a drop of Dr. Bronner's soap to be a surfactant, I think, at that point, and you shake it all up, and it smells pretty good, and it's uh, friendly to your uh, cats and dogs. So I've had anthills in my garage the, every year, and I just dump straight cinnamon on them, and it pisses them off. <laughs> um, yeah, that's funny. Uh, and also, I would be remiss if I didn't mention about this ant topic that... Um, uh, fire ants are more and more invasive in the North America in general and other parts of the world. And um, if you do find that you're being attacked by them, and you'll know, uh, you should definitely <laughs> you should definitely try to find out if that's what they are and send them to your local extension agent to try to get them. And they'll have they'll have treatment ideas for you, and they'll help you out with that. And together we can rid ourselves of this really obnoxious and noxious. Uh, pests both for humans and other things i've seen red fire ants and i've also seen um uh termites go after cannabis and girdle the stem um so it's definitely a real threat potentially to the plant and the uh, gardener there so what's your um 10 second treatment for us as uh, cannabis cultivators and, and humans who are trying to avoid fire ants if they ever come up on our property I do like the idea of using a bait. Um, it depends on where you are and what you have. I like using the Bouveri Bassiana as like a as like a as like the toxin, as the poison, as the um, agent, and then doping some sort of food source. Some ants like sugar. Some ants don't. It depends on what you got. Anybody got Ant Man on speed dial? That's a funny ass movie. I liked it. Better than I would have thought. I'll say that for. Uh superhero movies i haven't gone to movies recently but that man was, uh, nobody's gone to the fucking movies recently like shit man i miss that shit i used to go to the movies all the time and i'm like you know what i'm about to just like do a uh open up my own movie theater so people can enjoy the movies again 
it's it's gonna start opening now with everybody getting the shots and everything but uh i personally even when the theaters were open i liked it for a while but they overcharge you for fucking food and everything and now the shit's coming out like a week or two later or like a month or two later on demand so like i could sit here with my wife fucking do dabs fucking smoke chill eat a good meal uh, that's not overpriced and have it at home you know i think that's why a lot of the movie theaters were struggling even before pandemic times yeah, well, I'd like to go out to the movies. It used to be, uh, there's a stat in the 1920s, Americans went to 52 movies per year. That's one per week. Now people go to about four per year. It's a pretty fucking crazy drop. I'm not Sorry, a big Spartan, movie person my, myself, but I've, I'm actually surprised that four is the average. I always thought it was more. Who knows? I go to a lot more movies. Oh, I believe it, though. Can. I believe it. I just wanted to um, shout out somebody in chat real quick. I don't, I can't, I don't, G-R-O-I-G-2-2, it's almost like Greg, kind of. I think it's like Grow IG-22. Oh, Grow IG-22, there you go. Thank you for making my brain work. Um, They said they were saying cheers to me for the Moose Lab suggestion, which is this mouthpiece. Um, <laughs> um, it says he wants to use use these for the rest of his life, get all my friends and family to use them, seriously saves my lungs, improves flavor, better hits. And, you know, I agree. Then somebody else was later on asking what they were that's why i wanted to kind of bring it up and you know i'm trying to tell everybody it's just it's just a filter that catches soot in in tar so uh every time you take a hit it's uh, a cleaner hit for your lungs you'll notice a difference after about a week of using one your lungs will be clear you won't cough as much i'm gonna try it spartan you've sold me enough times i've heard it my, i'm looking over here at my bong and i'm like the bottom of it is dirty I could probably turn off my background, but I really don't care that much. But the top of it, the oh, part that's right dude, by my lungs, clean. is real clean. Real clean. Yeah. Well, I'm telling you, dude, it's like eight bucks for the little starter kit, eight or ten bucks tops. Just use it one fucking night, and then look at the fucking filter. That's all it's gonna take for you to change your mind. When I'm not smoking, I'm vaporizing, so I think it might be a little bit less. But who knows? It could be fucking dirty the first okay, night. I'll be surprised. Two, I'm sure. After two or three days, and it'll be fucking ugly. When you said they're cheap, that's the best thing. I was like, oh, they're going to get me with this rack at the filters. And then I looked at the cost of the filters when they're cheap. It's like, what, yeah, seven yeah. bucks for like 10 of them or something? Yeah. Yeah. And then if you get a, you can get them in bulk on their website for, I mean, I think the biggest bulk discount, you can get them down to like 50 cents a filter or less. So definitely worth, worth looking into. I've always tried to like consider my bong or whatever vaporizer, like a medical device, because I consider cannabis a medical plant and, uh, it's like your intake mechanism, and I think it being clean is a necessity. If you're going to go into a hospital, they're not going to have dirty implements when you're <laughs> taking a medicine and making me cough like Tao over there. I'm coughing on mute over here, though, so I probably need one. Or maybe just taking two bigger rips. You know, I clean this thing constantly, and it, you got it's dirty already. It's amazing how quickly it gets dirty. You know, I do. I clean it daily. On the daily, and like, yeah, it gets dirty like three times. To be fair, though, hey, see through. You things. have an ash catcher that helps. Yeah. Yeah. So that would be an ash catcher right there. They get dirty as shit. <laughs> I mean, it's like bearable, but yeah. But I do want to say, too, that I did send a dm to moose labs on their instagram shame on them and they haven't even responded to me but i asked i said look i'm not 
asking for any kickbacks or anything at all. I just want to get a discount code so that when I recommend this thing, because I believe in it, save some people a little bit of money and they didn't even fucking respond. So, but I still going to stay here and tell people about it because I still believe in the product. I try to help hey, you guys. That's, that's some, that's some real loyalty to the, to the customers there. And that's how it should be. I mean, maybe they can't at this time afford to give out a discount. Maybe they're trying to give it at the lowest possible cost that they can continue to produce. So yeah, but I they think could it's have answered them and said at this time, yeah. we unfortunately cannot give you the discount code because we are cutting exactly. it so close on the profit margin. He could have answered them. They might also like, unfortunately, Instagram, this happens to me on occasion. They'll like hide a message for whatever reason. It happens to me a lot too. Well, because you have like 18K and growing right now. I think oh, that's yeah. why oh, people are like, holy yeah. shit, this is a serious account, Mr. Uh, Gates, and your uh, staff editor at Skunk Magazine. So oh, okay. I think there's a blue check no mark blue check, though. coming no blue in the check future. Yet. It'll happen. We'll see. I see someday. I, I, I believe you, it, I, it will happen. How do you get one of those? You got to get verified. It's incredibly yeah. capricious, and there's tons of uh, threads on Twitter and Instagram and other places about how how chaotic and seemingly random it can be. Yeah, I actually okay. just I actually just applied for one uh, four days ago, and I just got a message back today saying, "Yeah, no way." Basically, <laughs> <laughs> I did that too. Nah. Coffee, <laughs> I was thinking yeah, about when you, when you check out the guidelines. It's basically like you got to be, uh, you know, there has to be a, a picture of your face. You have to be well known. Your name must be in the search engine, uh, you know, in a certain high volume. And there's like a whole there's a whole guideline for it. I uh, I followed this um, cybersecurity uh, expert on Twitter, and she was talking about how she's like, I mean, she wasn't trying to toot her own horn, but essentially she's in, she's apparently incredibly influential, and she's got tons of followers, a bunch of other stuff, uh, and yet like Twitter just doesn't just like doesn't recognize it, but like tons of other people who are way less you know um, well known or whatever seem to get it as well. I'm not trying to make it a I don't, I don't know if there's a sexism component here, but I do think that it truly is like just like, I think there's a human component that is not able to keep up with everything. And maybe that's what it is. Kind of like with YouTube, right? Like a lot of things are automated and there's no possible way that like you get enough humans to like moderate all the content coming in and getting published. Right. So. Yeah. Like shows like this that go on for multiple hours every week. And I hear there's like some crazy amount of videos uploaded every hour of the day uh, or every second actually with YouTube at this point, there's just like hours and hours of footage going up every single second. So uh, they're not going to be able to moderate every single second of it. We have a question from Justin in the chat. who says at Jack Greenstock, you mentioned vaping a lot. Do you feel a different high when smoking compared? So Sometimes yes, and sometimes no. Um, with the Vapor Brothers now, I just have it set to the max temp. I used to try and like get cute with it and be like, oh, it's in the morning, so I'm only going to set it to like 311 and try and get just like pinein and limonene and lower temps for like the uplifting terpenes or whatever. But uh, I've just decided and realized I want to get everything I can out of the flower. So I vape it all the way until it won't hit anymore. And then I dump it out into my little duff jar. Um, with already been vaped and then I turn that into RSO. So um, as far as high goes, I think that typically it'll be maybe a little bit more in your head than in your body compared to smoking. Smoking, I feel like you'll feel it almost uh, always a little bit in your body where vaping, you can feel it sometimes purely just like in your head, so to speak. Um, but yeah, definitely uh, notice a slight difference, but 
now that I'm hitting it higher temperature, it's more like combusting. Like as you, some people actually wouldn't realize that I'm taking vape hits. It looks like I'm just taking bong hits. So works out. Uh, definitely gets me where I need to go for the most part. But if it doesn't, you can always do a dab. <laughs> so uh, I just saw a bunch of videos. Uh, Brandon, you posted uh, your friends in town. You were showing off a big selection of all the different concentrates you have. Of the ones you showed, uh, do you have any favorites? And uh, if so, why? Man, there's so much good stuff. I don't have anything particularly that's my favorite, though. I mean, I'm more of a flower guy, to be completely honest. And uh, there was a couple things that we ran last time that I've been smoking a lot of. But I'm almost out, so now I have to change it up and smoke something different. Poor you. <laughs> no, but uh, what's the? you had a buddy visiting, I believe, if I remember correctly from one of your posts. Uh, what was the one that stood out to them? or the one that they chose to dab first or seemed to stand out? I liked his cherry pine and his jungle cake. He had some white hoe too, I guess it was called. It was like the white and pie hoe. Yep. What was the uh, jungle cake like? Mm, it was good. It was a sauce. It was very, it was gassy. It was really gassy and it kind of had like, a, you know, that, I guess kind of like Skittles, kind of fruity, fruitiness on the front end. That sounds pleasant. Yeah, I mean, I, uh, dude, I've, I've been smoking a lot of different concentrates, and they're all like just so good. It's, but again, I, I really just like I, I've been really enjoying the Mac V2 cut that we grew out. That's delicious. I'm really excited about the um, blueberry muffin times Mac. There's some really good stuff in the stuff that I'm growing right now. And then the uh, Limerilla times Mac V2 has some really good stuff in there. That I'm excited about. I was digging that video you, you posted the other day of making the uh, microbe stuff and Dumping all that, uh, all that uh, molasses and stuff, and giving out the secret sauce there, man. That was a pretty tight video there. And yeah, you you got some fire going on over there for sure, man. Yeah, well, one of the cool things is, you know, there are a lot of products that claim can do something, but I actually have the data to back it up. And not only that, but I have professional people who are not like affiliated with the product, um, like Bryant. Um, Morrison, uh, he, uh, soil doctor consulting, he, you know, he sees, he's like, this is what's going on. This is amazing. I don't, you know, um, so it's, it's an inexpensive product and it's great because that phosphorus, the ability to, uh, solubilize that phosphorus gives the plant more energy, you know, from a, cellular uh, mechanical kind of level because it takes uh, adenine triphosphate which is a it's a molecule that drives all uh, cellular biology uh, and so without this chemical which is a, a triphosphorus you know bond molecule that's like it's, that's the basis of it it's a it's phosphorus so 
Um, you know, that's really important in plants. That's why phosphorus is so important because it offers the plant energy to do all of the metabolic functions and carry out all the cellular functions that it does. All right, guys, I got to jump out of here. I got to go to the bathroom it's so bad. My eyes are watering right now. Oh, but, uh, but uh, it was awesome hanging with you guys and uh, awesome hanging with chat and seeing you guys. And uh, what was that? I'm so high. Jack, I'm smoking your, uh, I'm smoking the Velvet Punch, the Fino number two right now. And it's putting me to sleep, man. It's really narcotic. So that's, that's cool. Making my eyes like tired. So that's cool. And uh, I'll, I'll <laughs> check you guys out uh, next week. <laughs> Oh, I, got a, I got a show here. I'm going to Mission Bros. Grow Show. You can catch me there in fucking probably five, ten minutes, something like that. 15, 20. 15 minutes. 20. Yeah, you got a little time. Reload tray, hit the bathroom. Blasted. Yep. And you got to get the dogs out. He's already begging down here. So, catch you guys later. See ya. Peace and love, Spartan Grown. Always good seeing you. You can find him at Spartan Grown, uh, SpartanGrown at gmail.com. And he's going to be on the Michigan Bros. Grow Show at six o'clock, uh, which is about 18 minutes from right now. So cheers to Spartan. Always appreciate him coming on. He was smoking on the Velvet Punch, which I was gifted from my buddy uh, Doja DNA. It is Purple Punch across the Cookie 7. I've talked about it a bunch in the past. I have toed it. Uh, the American one was growing some. He showed a little bit before the show. I don't know if he's still got a light on or not and if he wants to show anything. But uh, I've definitely got some going, but it's in the dark right now. And uh, lovely plant. I'm glad that he's enjoying the different phenos. He said one's really kind of a heavier narcotics stony high like that one and he said the other one's more of a sativa uplifting uh, effect so he's keeping the more uplifting effect because he said most of the stuff in his garden tends to be more sedating so he wanted a little bit more of an uplifting one sorry tao go ahead oh no no worries yeah i might you want to take a look we could show him right now yeah i'll spotlight you i, got the I love the oh, um yeah. i love the that should be a t-shirt that you sell jack here's this one for free um, just have a quote. It's like, I have to that. People tend to like that kind of stuff, right? Just a very simple statement. <laughs> Sounds like something that people say a lot. No, I don't want to be that guy. Yeah, probably not, right? Me neither. Okay, and there we go. I think it was waiting for me to see his video to allow me to spotlight. Spotlight for everyone. Boom. Got a little bit of purple going on there, the American one. Look yeah, all right. So this is uh, the one that I posted on IG. I already uh, harvested. It's hanging up in the closet in the drying area. This is one of the other two. I had three. I have four altogether. One hasn't been put in flower yet. Or actually it has, but it's in a different area where the light's not on right now. But I took cuts off of that other one. I didn't get pieces off of this one to survive. That was when I had my hiccup on the... Um, but yeah, so... Let me not babble on. This is the Velvet Punch F2. And yeah, this is, if my, I have a picture from February 5th, which looks like they were like a week and a half, maybe two weeks into flower already. But since I never wrote down the actual date, I don't know for sure. But as you can see, this was the greenest one all along. And now it's totally purpling and fading down at the bottom. Getting some yellowing. Yeah, it gets taught to this lighting. That's and my now favorite this is time. The, this is the other one, <clears throat> which is much taller and totally different. This one has no real purple except for 
there's a hue inside on the calyxes, but none of the leaves. The leaves are just fading out yellow color, pretty much. There's some color in that one, I guess. It's got the sawtooth, so my suspicion is that has the Mexican sativa. Since I F2'd it, Velvet Punch is Purple Punch, crossed to Cookie 7. Purple Punch is Larry OG, crossed to Granddaddy Purple. Cookie 7 is the uh, Thin Mint Girl Scout cookie, crossed with what he calls Black Velvet Kush, which is a Mexican sativa crossed to Chem 4. And uh, then he crossed that with, uh, I believe it was a Larry OG. So... Damn, that's a beautiful frosty nug right there. The and, yeah, now you, and you can also see this is the one that didn't have, the, there is not one white hair on this whole plant, I don't think. Oh, yeah, there's one right there. But like the top, they're all they're all dead. And they've been for a while, but the plant was still still uh, you know growing and stuff. That's the one I was talking about. And then, yeah, this one is just fading. You can see it now. So Going back to the purple punch and purple punch list, purple punch can look done at like week six, seven, and eight. It'll be frosty and it'll be purple. I still push another week, two weeks to that nine, 10 range. And it just makes it hit so much harder. And uh, I think you get more of the well-rounded effect. Oh, yeah, sure. let it, Interesting, let it uh, 10 weeks, huh? I, my punch, I, uh, I pushed it to nine weeks on your advice and I was really happy with the results, but 10 weeks, that's a, uh, it just kind of makes me, you know, I'm wondering about that. That's, that's interesting. Yeah. Let it ride a little longer. It's 70 days. I know it seems uh, long, but 63 versus 70. Um, I think you can really get more potency out of it. And um, it definitely packs on a little bit more weight at the end. It's got that OG. It stretches. It's a big producer if it's happy. And uh, I, I love those plants and those crosses from them. They look beautiful. They smell great. People tend to like them. And if you push it longer, uh, like Noah said, even taking it to nine weeks, did you notice a potency increase? Oh yeah. Yeah, I did. I noticed it. I noticed everything. And, um, I, I exclusively do that now with it. And, um, I actually just, uh, a buddy of mine had a drawing on his page and, um, I'm, I won a, a package of a punch cross freeze from him and I'm going to, I'm going to pop some of those this, this, this fall. And yeah, no, uh, purple punch is, it kind of gets like almost like the blue dream pre treatment, you know, people kind of slough it off, but man, if you grow it right, that can be a pretty potent and tasty strain there, man. I love it. I dig. Matthew, did you want to go? I saw your box let out. Oh yeah. That must be software again. Okay. Um, so yeah, I was just going to say purple punch. It comes from Hawaii. Supernova gardens is the original breeder. And it was just a granddaddy purple across the Larry OG. It seems like a pretty simple combination, but it expressed, they must have had a beautiful pheno of both <laughs> those cuts. And uh, the cut that goes around, at least the one that I got, crosses out from my buddy Doja DNA, uh, has been amazing. The stuff I see Noah grow and many others grow. When it's done well, I agree with you. It kind of people treat it like Blue Dream, where they've had a, one or two bad examples of it from somebody who didn't grow it necessarily as well as it could have been grown. And then when somebody like Noah <laughs> gets his hands on it, he really turns it out. And uh, you saw earlier, his stuff looks unbelievable. That platinum uh, OG Kush, that was like damn near black. Those leaves, I love that really dark fade. Um, was it, is it getting close to that really deep purple where it almost looks black in person? Because on the camera, to me, it almost looked as black as my microphone. Yeah, it, it, it definitely... Um another guy that i follow he was saying black leaf you know guy and uh i almost did that when i posted it but no it's the blackest leaf and um uh, this plant is the one that um i don't i don't see me ever getting rid of it's uh the thing about it is that it looks awesome but it's it's one of the truly most terpiest one 
And whenever I show up at a buddy's house, they're always like, Hey man, what's up? You got some of that platinum. That's the one they ask for out of everything I got every time. That's a good indicator. I know. Um, I think you also might've had the forum cut or you've ran it for a little bit. That was another one. I've seen the hashtag, uh, hashtag black leaf society. And there's some really beautiful cannabis. Yeah. If you check out that hashtag, it's unbelievable. Some of the product people put out there on Instagram, uh, very impressive stuff, uh, proud of the community and what they produce, including Noah. Um, is your, have you run the forum cut and did it get that same kind of black leaf treatment? Yeah, I have ran it. And, um, I, I only ran it like eight and a half weeks is the longest. Maybe, maybe I did it nine once, but yeah, I mean, this one, this platinum cut is, is superior. So I, I have a, you know, real strict regiment. I only have so much room in my canopy. So, and I got a buddy who has that forum cut and I can get it. And I have ran it a few times, at least three or four times, but I got this, uh, sunset sherbet crossed with dosi does i got the gelato uh, 25 crossed with the dosi does i got a bunch of different dosi does crosses right now so i have that cookie angle kind of you know what i mean kind of going and that's why i like that uh purple punch because it's not really you know it's kind of not it's different from that that cookie family which is a lot of my stuff is so but yeah another form cut is obviously a you know an original og plant it's a it's a really good one for sure it looks beautiful, but uh, comparatively to what you're yielding, I would say a uh, less problematic plant as well, it's, I, would, I would imagine, because the forum cut is very known for hermine. Two of my buddies have it in their gardens, and uh, n- neither yeah. of them have buds as large. They have a much smaller bud structure. They're really like golf ball, super tight and frosty, and it's good medicine. It's got a lot of beta-caryophyllene, that's spicy, and uh, humulene. Uh, it's good, honestly, some of the best medicine as for flower for my arthritis, but um, it's a pain to grow, and it doesn't yield as well as something like your platinum OG. So I think you should just keep on killing it with that. And the purple punch, I love the grape personally. I think that grape that comes out, it's really distinct. It's almost like that artificial grape candy. And I'm curious, uh, do you get that same grape on your purple punch, Noah? And what other uh, smells and things do you pick up on it? It's it's just like you said, it, it's exactly it. It's grape. And that was the number one thing I liked about running it nine weeks. It brought out more of that grape smell and that grape taste. So that is... That's it. I mean, it, it, whenever I smell it, I, I just think great, you know, and it's, I love it. You know what I mean? So it, Hey, to each their own, you know, some guys like growing this, some guys like growing that. I love it. So I, I it's, it's a staple in mine for in my room for sure. A lot of people just like fuel. Do you grow any stuff that has like a chem or just pure OG? I have, I have grown both. Um, but like you said, if a plant, you know, if it's not yielding or, you know, if it doesn't have like just that overwhelming, you know, terpy taste, like, yeah. And I'm always trying out new stuff. I got a bunch of, you know, seeds I'm going to, you know, hunt through and I'm excited to do it. But uh, no, most of my stuff is, you know, real, real cookie. Uh, and then, you know, the, the, the purple punch and the platinum both have, you know, cushion and OG cushion. And so, or maybe it's Larry's OG in the, in the purple punch, but yeah, you know, both, you know, pretty cool stuff so that's kind of where i you get most of my you know kush from is those two definitely good stuff well we're coming up to uh 552 here on the west coast i think it's about that time we go around the panel and give our uh, final thoughts and shout outs and i'll start with noah the grower right on man yeah i uh i will say man i'm real i feel real lucky right now and um i uh I, i just am thankful that everything turned out the way it did you can always buy a new car and um I really was looking forward to uh, hanging out with all you guys and um, 
I'm going to uh, Vegas here in a few weeks and I'm going to be there on a Sunday and I'm going to take my, my phone, my headphones. I'm going to do my, the show from Vegas. So I'll put, I'll turn the video on. I'm staying at the wind. So with the, with the buddy of mine, he's taking me. So I'm going to have a good time. And uh, with everything that's going on, I'm really looking forward to it. Uh, if anybody's got anything they want to see what I got going on, you got any questions for me personally, you can stop by my page. You can direct message me. I'm Noah the grower and I uh, try and get back to everybody. Had a great time and I uh, appreciate all you guys' uh, good wishes for me. And uh, thanks for having me as always. It's always a pleasure, Noah. I'm glad you got to show off some of the buds and get a little bit of FaceTime today. I really hope that you get well soon with the uh, car accident and make sure you get everything all figured out with the doctors and all that situation. And most of all, have a great time in Vegas and uh, just be safe and enjoy, man, and have a good time. And uh, thank you again so much for coming. I saw you got here a little bit late, but you definitely never have to have an excuse. But if there ever was one, that is a great one uh, to say, you know, this this happened and I wasn't here <laughs> because that's so, uh you're always welcome whenever you get here and we're happy that you showed up and uh, we're happy most of all that you're healthy because like you said, a car, vehicle, any object can be replaced. The people are the most important thing. And uh, I'm happy that you're healthy enough to be able to sit here and talk with us and uh, be able to finish the podcast and do all that good stuff. So cheers to that and uh, cheers to getting healthy moving forward. But uh, next up, we got Kyle Breeder. Hey, thanks, Jack. Um, just so anybody knows, I forgot to, I was going to say this earlier. I'll make it real quick. So I, I spoke to a genetics IP lawyer down in Cali yesterday. Uh, that's pretty heavily involved in the community down there. And apparently it's uh, $2,500 for a provisional patent on cannabis plants and on the low end, $20,000 for a pretty, uh, in-depth patent on cannabis plants. So I've, I've been wondering that for the longest time and I had a pretty long chat with him about certain things and, uh, just kind of throwing that out there. But, um, if anybody was, that was really helpful to, to share that information. Yeah, the low end, he said 20 grand and it go up to anywhere to like 30, 35 grand. But that 35 grand basically is like they can't use it to breed. They can't use it to do anything. And you can just basically get anybody and everybody for it. Um, the, the, obviously, the provisional would protect you for the year. But at the once that year is over, you'd have to kick up that uh, 20 grand to basically fulfill the rest of the actual, uh, you know, the uh, patent. But uh, yeah, I, I was and he was telling me I should get in. I was like, well, let me let me start getting involved first before I start throwing down money for all that stuff. But uh Anyways, yeah, just something food for the thought. But uh, yeah, my name is Kyle Breeder. Uh, I do sell feminized seeds is what I specialize in. I have a website, pbreeding.com. Uh, we'll be having autoflower soon, which I'm pretty excited about because I do find uh, I'm really interested and curious about those plants. And I think they're a beautiful thing, too, for the community and in general. Um, you can find me on any social media platform on Twitter, Facebook or Instagram. And uh, yeah, feel free to reach out. Um, I'm very friendly on there and I uh, hope everybody has a great uh, weekend or night. Thanks. Thank you for coming, Kyle, and uh, dropping that info at the last second about the uh, patent cost and things like that. I just have one question. Was the guy's name Reggie by any chance? Cause, uh, no, it was uh, D Dale. Okay. Yeah, there's a, the one you said, a prominent one out here in California. There's a few different people that are in that space, but I think it's um, there's like offensive and defensive approaches, and I think we talked about that on a past show, and it might be another great topic for a future day uh, to discuss on the next one. So thank you again for joining us, Kyle. Next up, the American one. Jack, thanks for hosting. Excellent uh, job. And uh, shout out to everyone in chat. Uh, I'm the American one uh, on YouTube and the American one underscore with underscore Keens on the IG. Just search the American one and look for the little guy with the top hat. That's me. And uh, 
yeah, it was really cool hanging out. An interesting night tonight. Noah, the girl, I'm, I'm glad you're all right. <clears throat> and uh, shout out to Dr. MJ Coco. Uh, he posted a, uh, a light review that I caught earlier. And uh, you guys should go check it out and uh, go to CocoForCannabis.com. And yeah, peace out. Thank you so much, the American one. Definitely missed uh, Dr. MJ today, but also saw that video. He does a great job with the LED grow light reviews, mostly LED, I think almost exclusively LED at this point. But uh, he does great work there and at CocoForCannabis.com. So check out his uh, grow light reviews as well as his content over there if you haven't already. Uh, cheers to Dr. MJ, uh, as he would say, growers love. And uh, next up, Brandon Rust. What's going on, everybody? Uh, shout out to all the listeners and everybody who comes by every weekend to hear us nerd out on weed stuff. Um, yeah, I appreciate all the people that are here and, uh, I'm always happy to be here with the rest of the panel. Uh, you can find, uh, my IG at rust.brandon and, uh, you can find a link to my company, Bokashi Earthworks, which if you use coupon code Bokashi, Right now, you can save 10% on everything on the website. Uh, and uh, yeah, you can check out my farm, Black Label Organics. If you're in Oklahoma, you can probably smoke my weed too. I don't know where it's at, but it's in dispensaries everywhere. You got to make a trip to Oklahoma sooner than later. Uh, definitely want to get a chance to try some of that stuff out myself. And uh thankful for all you do for us in this community and uh, that community over there you bring a lot to the table and i'm happy to see you continuing to have success over there and put product out there for people to try and enjoy it's an awesome accomplishment to uh, continually be able to do so uh, shouldn't ever look past uh, all the hard work you're putting in so uh, cheers to that and thank you so much for joining us for our we nerd conversation weekly it's always fun to check in and dive deep on some of these topics and uh Really appreciate your input whenever you uh, have the time to share it with us. So thank you again, Brandon. And last but certainly not least, Matthew Gates. Yeah, hey everyone. So if you're interested in more integrated pest management information, you can check me out at my YouTube channel, Xenthanol. You can also check me out on my Twitter account at SyncAngel. You can check me out on Patreon, which is also Project Xenthanol. And uh, I really enjoyed the discussions. I really appreciated the cool questions and I'd like to do more of that as well. So if you, um, if I've ever helped you out, um, just check out my stuff, share it. If you find it, that's helpful. That's the most important thing for me, honestly. Um, any other support in addition to that is always gracious and grateful, but honestly, it's more important for me that they get the information that they need. And so you can also find me on a Discord server that I'll be starting for the uh, Zenthanol Patreon if you're interested in that kind of stuff. Thanks for having me. Always our pleasure. Uh, you make time for us each week and we really appreciate that. I know you're becoming continually busier and making uh, your services available to others like uh, Skunk Magazine and the Patreon uh, Discord server and lots of other people on YouTube, the free content you put out there, I'll always treasure. I mean, the stuff that you put out has been pivotal in my IPM knowledge and, and growing experience. I mean, it's helped me and help others, which uh, is ultimately one of the most gratifying things, even if it hasn't directly helped me, like you said, sharing your content. Um, it wasn't like I was just trying to like be like, hey, check out his channel. Like 
it was more like, hey, this is actually going to help you. And then hopefully support him, like subscribe, you know, follow him for other things as well, because he's not just going to be helpful this time. Like he's definitely got a lot of great content. So it's a pleasure having you as always, Matthew. Uh, thank you so much for joining us. Last, I guess, is uh, me, the host, Jack Greenstock. I can turn my computer, make it a little bit easier this time. You can see my little logo behind me now. Uh, I'm on Instagram at Jack Greenstock, as well as Cannabuzz. You can find me, Jack underscore Greenstock on Twitter. And that is it. I host this show each week, and I'm very thankful for everybody who comes. Make sure to leave that thumbs up if you enjoyed the show. And thank you so much for coming, everybody. It helps the show get out to more people that want to grow their own uh, on a low budget so they can have their own medicine to share with their loved ones and family and for themselves. So cheers to that. Uh, growers loved everybody. Uh, Dr. MJ, we missed you this week. And everybody who couldn't make it, uh, hopefully we catch you on the next time. And this is Jack Greenstock signing out. Peace and love. Catch you next time.